On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're heading to Dublin with Paula Malcolmson in ITV's Redemption, looking into a bleak future with half the cast of Hollywood in Apple's Extrapolations and trying to make the best of the present with the ever-ebullient Ted Lasso, who returns for season three. And speaking of which, both Nate the Great, Nick Mohammed, and Roy fucking Kent, Brett Goldstein, join us on the show to discuss Ted's return. Plus, Martha Plimpton is also with us to talk about A Town Called Malice. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that has yet another erratum to correct this week in what is rapidly becoming an unfortunate <laughs> new segment. So, so cast your minds back to last week when I mentioned Robert Kirkman's Saga comic series. <laughs> what was actually meant, of course, was Saga by Brian K. Vaughan, who as we all know, wrote Why the Last Man, Paper Girls, and Runaways, and of course, not Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead and Outcast. Now, now, this question came in from Mark, so I, I think we can all agree it's Mark's fault. In fact, I have an official mea culpa from Mark here, which I shall read out. <clears throat> I was so chuffed when I heard the question start, then as soon as Walking Dead got mentioned, I knew I'd fucked up. <laughs> Sorry, James. I genuinely love Saga and Why the Last Man, and all I can say is they sit on a shelf next to my Walking Dead books. Proper messed up my nerd credentials. Do you know what? Yes, props, Mark. Props to did. Mark. I would have let, let you take the fall for that. Well, I mean, look, look, you might say when reading out Mark's erroneous message, it was so obviously wrong, renowned comic and geek culture expert Kay Ribeiro should have, I don't know, <laughs> jumped in and immediately corrected this error. And all I can do really is apologise and say, for shame, Kay. At for that shame. point, I totally zoned out. Yeah, fair. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, Kay's here. And also with us is Boyd Hilton, a man who looks positively buoyant after Arsenal's triumphant performance in the Cup League thing on the weekend that I absolutely know all about and fully understand. Yes, James, in one of the greatest moments in the history of the world, um, Arsenal came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 against Bournemouth in the 97th and a half minute. Because I am a football expert, I will say to you, now, 3-2 sounds good, but is it yeah. as good as 7-0, Boyd? <sighs> Is well, it as good as 7-0? I mean, you'd think it wasn't as good as 7-0. And I know you've just discussed this with um, a certain a certain Chris yeah. from the from the Empire it came podcast. Up. I bet it did. Yeah. I wasn't going to bring up Arsenal's triumph, but you brought it up. Thank you. Um, so on, on one level, it's not as good. Absolutely not as good. But, uh, but actually, it's better because it was more dramatic. Right. Everyone got more excited. Because just when you thought they were out, they pulled them back in. Exactly. And the whole world has seen the celebrations and the it's just an extraordinary moment in, in football history that will be remembered forever. I think the Liverpool result we remember as an incredible achievement by them and a freak like possibly freak of nature but didn't have the drama of the of the Arsenal victory especially if we go on to win the league oh okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I'd say also Boydie you're a man who's looking quite uh, well rested at the moment how's your how's your, how's your sleep Boydie all good. It's no, okay. Why do you ask? No intrusive thoughts. No oh unexpected yes, he's been. Things. Have you been doing your subliminal things oh, no, on the no Empire reason. podcast? No, yes. happy, oh. no reason. Have you listened to the new Empire podcast, boy? No, it's fine, fine, fine. Just, uh, I have. Yeah. Did you? Oh. Did you mention? You know, I probably haven't fallen. The one you just recorded, or the one that the, I mean, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Yes, the one oh. we recorded literally just before yeah, this. Yeah, so no, no, obviously you haven't listened no. to it. Oh, I've got excited but, though. Yeah. Oh, 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 excellent. Is it a special slot? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm really excited about this. I will be listening. I'm going to tune in as soon as it hits. My iPhone, I will be tuning in. Oh, no, but don't do that. Wait till you go to sleep, you know, put it on. Put oh, okay. it all, oh, I can't all wait snuggled up with your hot water oh, nice. bottle. Whack on the Empire podcast and uh, let's, uh, let's oh, see what happens. Oh, very what a privilege. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's all good stuff. Right. We've got three, count them, guests this week. So I'm saying we should probably have one now. Much like Arsenal, Ted Lasso makes its triumphant return this week, continuing the villain origin story of Darth Nate. Now, Amon sat down with the man himself, 
Nick Mohammed to talk all about the former Kit Boys turn to the dark side. Uh, we're delighted to be joined on the Pilot TV podcast by the star Ted Lasso, Nick Mohammed. How are you, sir? Hey, man, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All the better for speaking with you. I'm such a massive fan of this show and of your performance. And obviously, season two was a big one for Nate. Given everything that happened in that season, how eager or anxious were you to get the scripts for season three? <laughs> um, I was I was really keen to see where, you know, where the writers were going to take Nate this season. And, um, you know, obviously there's, there's a limit to what I can say. I don't want to give anything away. But, you know, as you might imagine, it's another roller coaster for Nate. Um, him having, you know, turned to the dark side, as it were, and, and joining joining forces with West Ham at the end of season two. You know, it's quite quite the start for Nate. You know, we we absolutely kind of pick up, you know, where we left off at the start of season three. And um, yeah, can't spoil anything, but it is another another rocky road for Nate. I wouldn't want you to spoil anything. Was there any person you immediately called or contacted to talk about it once you were done reading the scripts? I think I, I, I recall quite clearly being sent episode one <laughs> and thinking, um, oh, you know, so just being, I think just being reminded of the sort of the sheer brazenness of what Nate did actually, because, because, you know, there had been an amount of time between when well, I was filming season two and then it kind of coming out. And I guess there must've been a spell of maybe four, five months um, before I then read the opening episode of, of season three and, and just being sort of thrown right back into that kind of mindset of, oh God, what has Nate done? <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, there's there's a long there's a long way to kind of go ahead. Um, there's a long path ahead of him, and you know, there's quite a lot of soul searching. I think in in well throughout season three. Um, you know, as you can imagine, uh, this isn't any kind of spoiler really to say that Nate obviously does have some reckoning to do with himself in terms of what he did. You know, he knows what he he's done. He knows the the hurt that he's caused, and um, he he has to deal with that. And you know, whether he's redeemed or not, that's 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 not for me to say. But in terms of his soul searching, it's right there from the off. And um, yeah, I was kind of keen to look at you know see how they were dealing with that right from from the start in, in that opening episode. And yeah, I feel the writers have have, have done another brilliant job frankly mm -hmm. the first episode has some really powerful things to say about the positive and negative impact of social media um and i see that you're on twitter and instagram i know that in the wake of season two's finale twitter got a little bit feisty um what's your attitude to all that stuff these days do you find yourself on it often are you still getting hateful stuff and Undoubtedly, any any time I tweet, I mean, I try to stay off them, but I mean, I'm only really recently on Instagram, to be honest. I don't think I'm even verified. <laughs> I don't really, I hardly really know how to use it. My 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 wife has been trying to show me, but I'm, but I, yeah, I'm on Twitter, and you know, I find Twitter useful, particularly when I do like live gigs and stuff. Like it was always a really useful tool to sort of let people know when I was doing gigs and things. But yeah, certainly since. Uh, well, doing more television and in particular Ted Lasso, it really, it definitely took off. And I, I was very aware that particularly there's a storyline in season two uh, when Nate is sort of scrolling through Twitter and he's sort of, you know, he's his ego is being massaged, but then he just sees the one bad comment or whatever and he takes it to heart. And you can see the kind of toxic relationship with social media, how that can, can play out. So I was aware that when I was start, started to scroll, 
um, off the back of Ted Lasso and particularly the season finale coming out, I started doing this and I was like, oh, no, 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 that's exactly what Nate does. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale, I think. And so I didn't want to find myself in that position. So, I, you know, I dip in and out. I'm, I have to be really careful because sometimes I'm in danger of spoiling stuff and uh, I kind of got um, burned by that in the past. So I, I, I try to be really, really careful now in terms of what I put on social media. But, um, you know, in, inevitably when I tweet something about the show there is the people who like to pile on the hate for nate but you know it's often very tongue-in-cheek i've never felt personally sort of vindicated and um you know it's correct that they're, they're correct to be hating on Nate. you know a lot of people do and and you know maybe rightly so because of what he did see i want to see nate's redemption many ted lasso fans i speak to want to see Nate's Redemption. Presumably, you want to see Nate's Redemption, but that's not always right for the story the show is telling. Are you ever having an internal battle with yourself over the type of person you want to see Nate be and the person he is, at least for right now? That's a really good question. Yes, is the answer. Well, I think I think it's, you know, I had lots of conversations with, with Jason and Brennan, with, well, with the whole writing team, really, in terms of, you know, if, if I had it my way, I'd like to redeem Nate. I mean, immediately but there's nothing theatrical you know there's nothing um it's not really realistic storytelling either and you know without commenting on whether he's redeemed or not because to be frank you know whether whether nate does have a redemptive arc or not i I don't it's not really up to to me to me whether he's redeemed you know i think the onus is more on people whether they feel that they can forgive him you know i think the onus is on the audience um which i think is a really kind of clever point to the writing actually they don't they they don't it's not all kind of squared off kind of brilliantly and beautifully such that you know we know what nate did and 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 to some people that will be unforgivable and 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 you can't really kind of come back from that no matter how many times he might apologize but there's and you know we see in episode one you know he sort of almost doubles down on what he's done um to ted and and, and turning his back on afc richmond and you know, I, I remember reading that and thinking, oh, crikey, okay, well, you know, the writers are really, uh, you know, really doubling down on this issue. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always had lots of questions in, in terms of um, just how, how to pace the performance, really, like what what is, you know, because often with Nate, particularly season two and especially in season three, um, I think there were two sides to Nate. You know, Nate is having to balance two, if not three faces. There's his kind of public persona. There's the face that he presents to Rupert who's obviously a very toxic presence in his life. There's the front that he's putting, I think, towards his family, in particular his dad. And then obviously there are his inner demons that he's sort of battling, which kind of stem from, well, again, I think the relationship with his dad, but, you know, that that introvert shynate that we recognise from season one, that hasn't just simply disappeared. It's sort of those insecurities are still there. They're just sort of manifesting themselves in different ways, I think. Has it become easier or harder for you to switch Nate on and off as his arc has progressed? I think more difficult because I, because I think that Nate, uh, you know, if I ever had a comfort area in terms of acting or a similarity with Nate, it would be the kind of the slightly awkward bumbling sort of slightly socially inept <laughs> side to, to Nate that I would find funny. And there was a lot of that in season one, uh, his kind of clumsiness almost. Um, and, and I could, I could definitely, I felt like an affinity to that. When 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 the story took a slightly darker turn and 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 they just you know they just started stripping back the character and sort of showing more layers, it definitely became more more challenging as as, as an actor and um you know some of the stuff that I think is presented to Nate 
in, in this season and towards the end of season two, you know, was stuff that I was just having to really find, I think, in the character. And, you know, I just had lots of questions to the writers and directors and Jason in particular, who's such a great, you know, performance director. And because I couldn't, I couldn't directly uh, empathize with some of the stuff that he was, he was going through. So just making sure it felt authentic, I guess, and, and it felt believable. Cause I think that's part of the, you know, it's such a drawn out journey as next journey across three seasons, frankly, that, that j- just making sure it never peaked too early or that, that I kind of never deviate what the writers desire. They, you know, they had had this three season arc in their heads pretty much right from the off. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was sort of delivering on that. Final question for you. What was the final day like on Ted Lasso? And did you get to keep anything from the set? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first answer is inc- like incredibly emotional. Like it, it sounds, um, you know, I don't want to sound pretentious because you know, at the end of the day, we're just actors and we're having a good time and we're so lucky to be in this profession and, and working. Um, but but there's something particular about this project and, um, uh, you know, season three in particular had, had taken a while to film as well. Um, and so we, we just felt there was this real sense of, I guess, a sort of a group sense of achievement, but it was a really, emo- really emotional day. <laughs> like, I, I can talk more about it once... Um, the season has ended um, because we were shooting some of the, the last scenes that Nate's in actually that day, um, purely by chance, actually. Um, I think they'd been scheduled for earlier and then they, you know, schedule sort of would, would change sort of every so often. So, um, so yeah, we ended up filming some of the last stuff with Nate on, on, on that day. And, um, and, and that felt kind of oddly quite partly the, the, the nature of the scenes was emotional anyway, but because it ended up being the last day of filming, that was emotional too. So that, yeah, yeah. I'll talk about it more once you've seen it, I think. <laughs> because otherwise I'll accidentally give something away. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Nick Mohammed, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Nick Mohammed. Let's talk about what we have been watching this week and what have we been watching, Kay? I've been watching a lot of things this week. I've been catching up for my lack of viewing um, last week. So I absolutely flew through Unforgotten. Now, I'm sure at some point we're going to do a spoiler thing, so I won't say too much, but I binged it. And we do need to discuss it. And I really enjoyed the big chat between Sonny and Jess. I thought that moment of them sitting down and just talking about things was superb. Have either of you seen it? Uh, of course. Yes. I watched all of it last weekend. Uh, yes, we should probably get into this in some detail, maybe on Pilot Plus, maybe we could do that on Thursday. We have a big old unforgotten chat because they did all drop on ITVX, as is their want. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was a great series. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, also, I've been watching, I've taken your recommendation because, you know, I kind of like turned against shrinking after episode one because I felt like, mm, and you said... Shrinking? Yep. Yeah. And you said, no, carry on, carry yeah. on, yeah. you know. Um, so I did and I gave it more of a chance and it really picked up and I just... Yeah, I just love that. So oh, I'm basically catching up on a lot of shows. Mm. I know boys looking at me like, come on, tell me something new. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> looking at you, I'm looking at you with all due respect and interest. Aww. Yeah, well, Harrison Ford, as always, giving good grump. So I very much enjoyed that. And then two Giving th- the best grump. Yeah, I the think. best. Just, let's ratchet up the compliments. <laughs> and then, the, so those two things have already been on. And then two things that haven't been on, but it's what, what I've been watching, okay? Oh, here we go. Get complaints. <laughs> yeah, I don't the care. The privilege segment. Yeah, mm-hmm. carry on. 
But this one's topical because we did make James in the last plus watch uh, The Great British Bake Off. Celebrity Bake Off, in fact. Yeah, for Stand Up mm. to Cancer. And that's going to start on Sunday. So I watched it and it was a great first episode with um, our favourite Tom Davis, Rose Matafeo, comedian James. I've heard of her. Jesse Nelson, good. Little Mix, former Little Mix singer. Nope, no idea. And I'm going to reel you in with this one. Ross from Friends. Oh, David Schwimmer. Yeah. That's not a bad lineup. I've heard yeah. of at least three of those. Mm. Yeah. You should definitely watch it. It's really lineup. fun. Yeah, not going to happen. Um, okay. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, that, it was really good. It's a really good lineup. The book is on there deserve a medal because they do such a good job of like getting a good mix of like, you know, household names, Hollywood names. Um, and the other thing, and I know you won't have watched this, but it's kind of something I want to work on you to watch. Okay. Race Across the World. Do you know I don't what know what about? that is, but okay. I mean, from the title, I can probably <laughs> guess. <laughs> it's a it's an adventure competition, and ten people, like in couples, pairs, you know, just have to, as the title suggests, race across the globe. In this in this case, it's Canada from one side to the other. It's sixteen thousand kilometer journey. They can't take flights. They can't use internet. They can't use trappings of the modern world. What? It's brilliant. So, hang on, hang on. When you say it's Canada, so they start on one side of the Canada, they circumvent the, the globe and yes. land on the other side of Canada. No, not no, the globe. They, they just cross go the across Canada. But that's not around the world. That's just oh, across Canada. Oh, my God. You this is no. the show is a no. failure. Literally, it doesn't live up to the title. No Literally an idiot. Across no Canada, the show just doesn't have the same ring, does it? No one likes a pedant, right? <laughs> Don't be so literal. I may have tuned into the wrong podcast. But <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really good. And it's good for the reasons that we sort of like traces without the manipulation element is that, you know, it's studying how like they work together as cut in a pair, you know, how they, they have to cut, they have to reach checkpoints, several checkpoints along the way, and they have to reach the final destination fastest and then you scoop the prize. So there's a time penalty. So if you reach the first checkpoint fastest, then you get to leave first to the next checkpoint. And uh-huh. You're really yeah. getting into the nitty gritty. Isn't there here? literally <laughs> a train that goes from Vancouver to Toronto? I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. There possibly is. They're not allowed to take it, But I'm they're assuming. not allowed to take it, yeah. Yeah. Because they have to hit the checkpoints. That's the, as, as Kay's explaining. Yeah. So you didn't, clearly didn't listen because, mm. yeah. They're, so they can't just go from A to B. So what you're saying Z. is the checkpoints are not along that line. Well, they'll be, no, they'll be in all kinds of different No, they're places, not going to be on a yeah. train line. And also yeah. they've got a certain, they've got a 15, 50 pound a day budget. You know, they've got a small budget they mm. have to work to. They can't just, it's not like, oh yeah, let's just bung it on Can the I Amex. Just say, I've done this. I've been across Canada. I went from Vancouver to Toronto. I have navigated wait, it wait, myself wait, and no wait, one gave wait, wait, me a prize. So, did you, so have I actually. Yeah, 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 great. I'm really happy for you. But did you yeah. go to the checkpoints and did you do I, it for... I mean, I went up the top of the Rocky Mountains and went down the Rocky Mountains and up in Calgary. Admittedly, I did take an internal flight okay. at one point, but that's not Now we're just there. talking about your holiday in Canada. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, that's what I've been watching. It's fantastic. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should give it a go because it's, you know, it's really good. Oh, sounds great. Thanks, James. So, across <laughs> Canada then, the series, which is coming soon. Um, it starts. It does start in Stanley Park. You must have been to Stanley Park in Vancouver. Probably. It's Thousand Acre and one of their first challenges without being a challenge is just trying to get out the fucking park. Yeah, I haven't watched it (laughs) yet. doesn't sound difficult. I haven't watched it yet but I'm genuinely, I mean it is a great format anyway but I'm genuinely excited because I do love Canada and I've had Mm. some brilliant trips to Vancouver and Toronto. You're saying it's not difficult. They don't have Google Maps. They're not just following They're not allowed to use their mobile phones. They're not using, so actually it's quite difficult. you've got a compass. I mean, oh my god, wait a minute. Okay. Are you saying All right, hold on. Oh no, my no, 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 this no, is fine. Ridiculous. This is fine. As well as getting into apply for the traders, and we're also right. going to apply for the next series of Race yeah. Across the World. Sure. As well. Canada. You and an associate would be great. <laughs> Me and Chris Hewitt. Oh, you and Chris Hewitt. I'd like to see that bickering your way yeah. across Canada or whoever wherever it will be in season Race across four, Canada. Yeah. Or whoever it is. Uh, were you a Boy Scout? Was I a Boy Scout? Do you know what? I was a Cub Scout. 
I was never a Boy Scout. I was like a little junior. Never achieved the high no, enough. I never, I never. <laughs> skills, I gave up before I got to Did you Scouts. do your Duke of Edinburgh? Not exactly. I did a couple of Duke of Edinburgh Scheme. things where at our school they drove us somewhere in the West Country and dropped us somewhere. <laughs> and we had an entire day to get somewhere else using only Ordnance Service maps and a car. Uh, that wasn't compass. an official oh trip. So it was just a race across, like, that was, I don't know. That was the pilot Bristol. of this show. Yeah, basically. basically that's yeah. what it was. All right. uh, we did make it. We made it to wherever it is. We well, were we can to tell because you're in front of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, the other three in my group never did. Uh, but <laughs> what uh, a twist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> didn't bring enough snacks. Uh, I'd love to see you on Race Across the World. That, I, I am going to secret apply, secretly apply just, he, it for James for a series of reality Because formats. he would confidently go down, the, no, no, we'll go this way and like follow him mm, up and then yeah. he'd get himself I should point out I have absolutely no sense of direction whatsoever. Like, oh, we've given it a bigger just now. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Why don't they just compass? use a compass? Yeah, I mean, if I had a compass, I wouldn't need a sense of direction because I would have a compass. Do you think you'd be good with a compass? I mean, I know how it works. The, the oh hand God. points north, Guys, doesn't it? I am honestly going to arrange this for us to drop James somewhere. Do you somewhere. think you'd be good with a compass? Take away it's his not phone. the question I'm respecting <laughs> on this. Uh, mm. Okay, that was special. Mm. But since we're, you know, in the process of discussing things I got wrong, I should probably mention that after imploring everyone listening to this podcast to watch season four of, or series four, I should say, of The Bay and report back, very few of you did, I don't know why, but of the few that did... I think one agreed with me. It's hardly premium TV, but it's fine. Uh, uh, a couple of quite quite heated defences of the Bay, calling yeah. me a bellend, mm. yeah. uh, possibly yeah. from the creators of the Bay. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, see, it seems that the Bay does have fans among the the listenership. Of course it does because it's, so, uh, it's an excellent. I saw the rebuttal, well. and I agree. Not yeah. everything has to be peak TV. Yeah, it can so, be yeah. good TV. So yeah. there you go. I've been I've been I've been bayed. <laughs> They're baying for your blood, Mon. They are. Quite rightly. Boy, what have you been watching? Oh, thanks for asking, Kate. Well, I thought James was going to then kick off about if I may have watched more episodes of The Bay or something. No. no, no oh, no. He's, he's <laughs> okay. repentant, not that repentant. Yeah, I'm not that repentant. No. Uh, I, too, watched Unforgotten to the end. Uh, yes. And I, I mean, discuss it so bad. Full agreeance with what you said, yeah. We can't spoil it, so we can't go into any detail. But let's just say, what I will say is this, is that the um, Chris Lang, the writer, like he slips in some extremely radical, you know, political mm. ideas, right? right? Um, without, yeah, so I'm, I'll skirt around these plots of it, but he really does brilliantly. I mean, he, you know, he lets rip, shall we say. It's great. Yeah, which is incredible. Uh, was the last of us, the penultimate episode, it's the finale, isn't it, this well, Monday? So as we go out, yeah. it is the day of yeah. the last of us finale, yeah. which is which is quite a well, big I th- thing. I mean, the penultimate was f- phenomenal, I thought. Best episode since three, I think. Interesting. No. Oh, it's a very good episode. It's a very good episode. I can't say anything about it because you know that would be spoiled. No, but I'm just asking for your verdict. Yes. Well, I think every episode of that show is a masterpiece. So, (laughs) yeah, but you can still rank them, (laughs) rank them separately. Obviously. Well, the finale is is. Is it? Okay. Something. Okay. It's fine. something. It's, it's a hell of a finale. Good. Okay. Well, I'll watch that. Um, but I should say, yeah. while you're mentioning The Last yes. of Us, obviously we're going out on Monday. Yeah. The Last of Us, technically you can watch it on Sky now on Monday because it's available, yeah. but it's, most people watch it this evening, Monday night. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, you will have in your ears, if you are a Pilot Plus subscriber, not one, but two more Last of Us spoiler specials. Whoa. You will have O-M-G. me and Nick and Amon and Helen banging on about The Last of Us for an hour. That's our again, second. Again, not invited. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. And you get, because you pay, you get the added bonus of Boyd not being on there. And, I told uh, you, I'm not, I'm not listening to that because you snubbed Boyd. Fair enough. Yeah. And then, but Boyd, you and I can maybe get into mm. this on Planet Plus and have maybe. a good chat about it. Oh, that's, but, that's uh, an awful yeah. token gesture. <laughs> <laughs> my toes are curling for Boyd. Also, maybe. If you're lucky. If I can be bothered. If I can be asked. Anyway, so you have us talking about it. And then you will get the bumper interview special, which is me talking to Neil Drutman, Craig Mason, Pedro Pascal, and Bella Ramsey for, let's be honest, many hours uh, about the show, and it is glorious. Their official stalker, James Dyer. <laughs> it's true. He's back it is for another true. epic uh, I think I said something along the lines, I'm back, you can't get rid of me, and Craig Mason said, like the cordyceps fungus. Yeah. Um, excellent. I look forward to listening to that, having, having no taking no part in it. <laughs> um, uh, so there's that. And then uh, I want to, you, um, which we are going to do a spoiler special. We are we? going to do yeah. a You Season 4 Part 2 yeah. spoiler special. Not least of all, because you yes. spoke to... I spoke to Penn Badgley. You did. Joy very speaking exciting. to Penn Badgley, Joe himself. Um, and we got into very, yeah, we got into excellent spoiler discussion. Mm. I also went slightly bizarrely on the same day. So he was doing press that day and I went to interview him. And um, they, Netflix had this kind of like events, this kind of premiere for the first episode of the second half of the season mm. with a lot of influencers. And you can tell you can tell when their influencers going to a screening or an event because they dress up to the nines. Yeah. And it was it was like a really rainy, well, like it was a snowy. Like it was. I mean, I guess it was. A, I guess it was a premiere. I guess it, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one. You oh, should be questioning yeah. why I didn't dress up enough, Kay, and just wore a jumper and, and a supreme you, jumper, though, Boyd, well, and probably, limited edition trainers. Probably. Certainly, you become jumper. jaded to it, maybe. Maybe jaded to it. Anyway, it was quite. It was quite fun because the show, and they had a Q and A, a panel afterwards with um, him and Charlotte Ritchie mm. and the other two female leads in it. Um, who are friends from EastEnders, aren't they, Kay? Mm. You were yeah. telling me. Charlotte Ritchie was... Is, I mean, we all love Charlotte Ritchie anyway, uh, but she was really funny on the panel, I have to say. She was she was highly entertaining, and, and it was good fun. So I, I, at first I was like, why do I need to go and see this thing I've already seen with the panel afterwards? But it was it was fun. And what was really... What, that, the thing I enjoyed most about it, though, was... So it's episode six of ten of the season is the start of the new second half, right? Mm. And there are twists and turns something, but the big, the big one... The big, like, smack Don't say which episode. Uh, oh, no, okay. It's to come. I'll say yes. it's to come, right? So all the people in the audience were kind of like, she, you know, the questions were being asked about the character of Joan, all this, all this and they were oblivious. I'm seeing this smugly going, oh, <laughs> yes. You're if all kind of asking, you yes, if only he knew. Yes. Did he yes. touch upon his um, no nudity stance? Not the specific no nudity. I just discussed sex scenes with him, though. You'll mm. hear that in the, in, the, in the chat we had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did you actually say to him, "Hey, <laughs> why are you not gives? Yeah, no, we just got, we just talked about some of the some of the specifics about the sex issues. I thought was more a more interesting take, maybe mm. okay? a more interesting way in <laughs> for the discussion. He said all he needs to say about not taking his clothes off. <laughs> take your um, clothes off now. But we yeah. no, yeah, we just we, we got into that quite. You know, you know me. I never don't ask about sex scenes in um in no, you, you even, even when it's inappropriate. Way, even, frankly, yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> frankly, always, especially. Um, so there was that, and finally, the final show I wanted to mention was: Did anyone watch? The historic Netflix show that went out last Sunday in America and in the early hours of the morning on British in British time. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. This was absolutely the first time Netflix aired a live show. What? Absolutely what? live. Chris Rock. A Chris Rock stand-up uh, special, yes, Chris Rock Selective this. Outrage, was aired live as it, as it was happening. And the reason you know they didn't cheat, by the way, so I didn't watch it live because it was literally like three or two or two in the morning or something like that. I watched it the next day at my leisure. But they kept it on the mistakes. So at one point, he does, this, he does a thing about Will Smith, right? That was the whole, so the whole oh, thing. Oh, no, he didn't fluff that bit. 
Yeah, he fluffed uh, it. He, he 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 made reference to the Will Smith film, and he kind of got got garbled it, and it was a bit. Which is, and then he had to. What well, I have to do that bit again. He kind of does it again, and he talks about and he says the name of the film. And they didn't clear that up for the non-live no. bit. Yeah, brilliant. But no, quite right, quite right. Because you know, the whole point is. To, See, the podcast it. editor and me finds that very of upsetting. Of course, of course it does. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Can't always be perfect. Yeah, but it was a really interesting. Uh, it's had mixed reaction. Um, but I thought uh, the whole thing leads up to, you know, it's, it, you know, it's his latest stand-up show and there's a lot of skits and routines about, frankly, some slightly tired stuff about, you know, um, trans people and, um, and woke people and, you know, the, the, the tri- trials and tribulations cave being a very rich, privileged, wealthy Hollywood star, mm. which to be fair to him, he does with a knowing, there's a knowing element to all of that. And there are some really funny bits and there's some not so funny bits. And I am a Chris Rock fan in general. He is slightly turning into, there's a thing of, of comedians of his age, I think, who've been going, you know. How old is he? I would say like early 50s. Mm. That's a good question. I don't know. But I'll Google it. One yeah, day. thanks. That They do come across a bit as a kind of grumpy old dude kind of thing, slightly out of touch with, you know, the youth. What's, how was it? Oh, wow. He's 58. Oh, God. He looks great. Than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But he does, so he did, he, he mentioned the Will Smith Oscar slab incident. Of course, the Oscars will have just happened last night as we do this. That's right, yeah. Um, who knows what will happen? <laughs> who knows who yeah. got yeah. lamped in last Yeah, month. so he did for the first time, he properly addresses it in the start especially. So the whole of the last kind of 10 minutes or so is about, is him riffing on it. And his theory, which actually I thought actually kind of makes sense as a proper theory, which an uh, explanation of Will Smith's moment of utter madness, is that Will Smith was doing it as a kind of displacement activity, all resulting from the fact that Jada Pinkett Smith t- had famously had an affair with someone and addressed it on their weird Facebook live TV show that they did. And so he, he, he talked about how odd it is. He said, have any of us in this room had the person who had an affair behind their backs interview us about it live on television? I doubt it. And he talked about how that, you know, he must've been so angry dealing with all that, that he displaced oh. his anger onto this extraordinary moment, which of course was all started because um, Chris Rock made fun of her mm. in a very, in an almost yeah. kind of insignificant way. Um, so that was quite interesting. I thought it was actually quite an interesting, possibly valid theory, you know, kind of. And then he expounded on it and then he basically called her a B-I-T-C-H repeatedly, which was I was less I was less, less impressed with. Um, I love that you're spelling things out now. <laughs> I don't like that word. I think that word is, it's an, it's, it's an unpleasant word. Well, it's, yes. There's something about yes. that word which is even worse than the C word. And I have talked about the C word in another Is interview. it? Yeah. In well, a I weird don't way. think it is. I know it's not literally worse. It's more gendered, certainly. It's more gendered. I, mean, I think that's odd. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. No, but C I think, word I think the C-word country. can be applied equally to both oh, genders, completely. even though it is gendered by definition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think, you know, the other word, which apparently we're just not saying on this say, podcast now, is very much gendered. Yeah. Yeah. I said it for yes. you. You'll see, the way he uses it, that word, I, I felt to me was like, it, it's, re- it's really like, it, it kind of hits home in yeah. interesting, almost as much as the C-word. Anyway, I discussed the C-word in another interview going out this week, by the way. With who? Who, who is? Martha Plimpton. Oh, oh. Yeah. You, called, you called her that when you started. <laughs> Boy, never call Martha Plimpton a cunt. That would That's be just, un- just not on. That was his <laughs> We need to talk about interviewing techniques. <laughs> that would be unprofessional. No, 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 no. Her character uses it a lot in um, oh, Tackle right. Malice. Yes. Yes, which yes. We, we'll be reviewing in Pilot Plus. We will. Because it's embargoed. It is. We don't make it up. We it don't make it embargoed. up. It's literally embargoed. Literally embargoed. Yeah. Anyway. Chris Rock, Selective Outrage, very, very interesting is all I'd say on the Netflix, on if you're the a Netflix. Chris Rock fan, even if you're not a Chris Rock fan, to go, to, there's clips of, of what he t- says about Will Smith, etc. But you, t- you have to see the whole thing in context, I think, to get the general gist of it. And it is, bottom line, that is the funniest bit of the whole... Um, so the you've whole ruined hour. it, is what you're saying? No, 
haven't ruined it. I mean, it's fate. Obviously, everyone, <laughs> any Chris knows that he's going to talk about it. But the way he does is, yes. is really interesting and funny. Even if he flubs it. Yeah. And if by now there was another slap, can you imagine <laughs> at the Oscars? <laughs> the night no, before? they've got to stop they've the slapping business They have instituted now. special measures. Did you read it? What, an anti-slap Yeah, monitor. like an anti- Kind of. Um, do you know what they should do? You should get a cattle prod or a taser and just like mm. zap anyone. There were snipers. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's well, they've had a few complete disasters, haven't they? Because they had the wrong, the wrong yeah, thing. The moonlight. Moonlight year. La La Land. Yeah. La La Land, which I was on live TV for with at Sky. That was amazing. Um, and then the slap last year. So they have instituted special measures to deal with kind of crisis incidents. So that's all I know. I don't know what they involve, but like shutting down the whole thing or something. Oh, I don't God. know. But it's but it will be. I think I think more people are going to watch it. Many more people watch it this year than usual. You know, around the world because they know now that anything wild can happen because yeah. people go bonkers. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be the most tedious. <laughs> of course, it will one be. ever. Yeah, you're right. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll it find will, out. Most people listening to this unknown. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, Good. that's what I've been watching. Uh, thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we've got time for. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, I have luckily I have very little to add because Unforgotten was one that I've watched, and the last of our finale was something I was going to bring up. But both of you have stolen collectively my thunder. Sorry. So the only say uh, anything I will say is I watched the whole of Andor again. Um, again. Not not like in full. So I I I scanned through all the episodes over about six hours one day because I did a sit-down spoiler interview with Diego Luna and Tony Gilroy to talk all about the events of Andor Season 1. So if you do subscribe to the Empire Spoiler Specials podcast, even though it's TV, it is not on Pilot Plus, it's on Empire Spoiler Specials, <laughs> don't at me. Uh, <laughs> you'll find it there. At Chris. So, yeah, at, at Chris, Chris Hewitt. Uh, who has laid, laid claim to all the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff. Uh, but yeah. Grant, it, it, it was a good time was had by all and by all I mean mainly me not so much them <laughs> <laughs> anyway so stalking them as well let's have uh, let's have another guest another guest time for our second Ted Lasso chat of this episode he's here he's there he's every fucking where it's Roy Kent the magnificent Mr. Brett Goldstein who not only plays the irascible captain turned coach but is also one of the writers on the show and a bloody good bloke to boot uh, here is Amon versus Brett Goldstein we're delighted to be joined on the Pilot TV podcast by the star of Ted Lasso, Mr. Voiket himself, Brett Goldstein. How are you, sir? Hello, mister. How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Um, I'm so, so hyped for this season, final season of Ted Lasso, and I've really enjoyed the first few episodes. Season two was, of course, an unexpected, but very rich and very layered evolution of the show. Heading back into the writer's room for the final season, what was the mindset? Was it a similar evolution or more back to season one Ted Lasso route? The only thing that was different with season three was that we did not, when we wrote season two, we wrote it before season one was airing. So like mm. we didn't know what anyone's reaction to anything was. So it was kind of written in a vacuum, you know, and season three, it would, it didn't change anything, but it certainly played on my mind, I can't speak for everyone. It, I was aware of shit. There's a lot of expectation on this in a way that there wasn't when we did season two, it was like, we, we live in a bubble. So I think it was more a challenge of quieting those voices and ignoring, you know, because there was always a plan. Jason was very clear on what story he wanted to tell. So it was like, we can't be swayed by what we've read on Twitter or what people want to happen or think will happen. And I do think that part of the one thing I think is, if I may say that I think is good about Telez was it's often surprising and, you know, you have to keep doing that. So, uh, yes, it was more, I think season three takes even bigger swings than season two did. And 
I think that was important. I just think people think they want a certain thing, but if people get exactly what they want, they're going to be disappointed. It will feel sort of empty, you know? 100% agree. You mentioned Twitter there. What is your attitude to that stuff now? Do you find yourself on it often? Are you getting hateful stuff? How, How are you moving in those places? I try to stay away from it. I, you know, I use it for work and I try to stay away from it. It's a terrible addiction. I, 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 I get it. And I always know my life is better when I'm not looking at it. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate to say I, it, but I think that's true. But lots of good has come from it as in, you know, there's the reality of it's not without good things. And it's been a way mm-hmm. to uh, connect with people and see, see when it's a positive thing, it's a wonderful thing. And when it's not, it's, you know, yeah. fucking terrible. I need to try and be more like you, but I'm on Twitter far too much <laughs> but you seem happy it. maybe it works <laughs> it goes up and down it goes up and down um discussing ted lasso with my friends and my colleagues it takes about five seconds once we say ted lasso for the Roy kent chant to start up um <laughs> i know that you know you probably heard that chant a few times in recent years what is the weirdest place you've heard of Roy kent chant I think I was walking through an airport and someone was quite far away doing it and I was on my own and I think I looked, I just thought, I didn't acknowledge it and I thought, that person looks insane (laughs) 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 to anyone around them and I was quite enjoying the fact that that, that it's just a person on their own chanting and I thought if anyone's around them who doesn't know what this is, they're just like, what's (laughs) happening? Is this a flash mob gone wrong? No one's joining (laughs) it. If I was there, I totally would have joined in. I'm just saying. That is incredible. Um, From your first day on Ted Lasso Season 1, hearing action on that first day, to your last day on Ted Lasso Season 3, hearing cut, what is the most interesting thing you've come to understand about who Roy Kent is? He's a complicated guy. Like, (laughs) what? it's only something I've realized recently, like, through, through talking about it, because you, you, you know, you, you just do these things instinctively. And then it, when you're doing press and stuff and you have to answer these questions, you start to kind of analyze it mm. uh, retrospectively. Is that the word? Yep. Uh, That's the word. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's that thing that I've been realizing of like therapy is that it, he starts as the most emotionally repressed, angry mm. person. And then because of Keeley and because of Ted and, and sort of love gets through the cracks and it opens him up, which is a good thing. But then there is the fallout of that, which is here is a man who has had, who has no tools to know how to use these emotions and to regulate them. And you know what I mean? And so it's kind of three steps forward, two steps back. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, I, I think he's a very fucking complicated guy. <laughs> agreed agreed what was the final day like filming this show very 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 emotional and <laughs> we were all the ad's had like quite in a mean way scheduled so that our very last scene was a scene that everyone was in so we were all wow. together <laughs> and then they called cut and they were like that's a wrap and oh god i could <laughs> cry telling you and Every, everyone came in the, the locker room, like everyone, even from accounts, from the, you know, editors, everyone 
swarmed the locker room and we all hugged and Jason and Brendan and Joe did a little speech and uh, I kept sneaking off to the shower set to have a cry and come back. <laughs> uh, it was very special, yeah. You mean to tell me that you didn't do a speech? No, nah, man, I was too, I was too, I, I couldn't speak. I was, <laughs> I was like hiding, yeah. just trying not to cry. <laughs> um, you mentioned the popularity of the show going into season three and how you think about that a little bit. What the, What's the biggest difference between filming in Richmond in season one oh. to season three? <laughs> I'll tell you, the, <laughs> it's a simple answer, crowds. The difference is crowds. <laughs> The difference is season one, we were filming, everyone was like, who the fuck is this lot getting in the way? <laughs> season three, people found us and, and it was, it was strange. You know, it's kind of amazing and also strange. We filmed one, one particular thing I won't tell you, but filming this thing where there was like a, just a line of people surrounding. So it was almost like doing a play and a show, you know what I mean? Like you're just having to focus, but in your, behind the camera is just a fucking crowd of people was very strange so yeah and there, there were occasionally it was like i don't i think we're gonna have to go because <laughs> there's, there's too much going on now everyone, everyone just wants to be in the show yeah yeah we're here for the people who live in richmond i can't work out if it's a wonderful thing we've done or we've made richmond a, a destination and they hate us i'm sure they are more pro than con in general um Brett, there's a podcast I listen to from time to time. You may have heard of it. It's called Films to be Buried with with Brett Goldstein. One um, <laughs> of the films that Roy Kent would be buried with and how similar or different are they to the films that Brett Goldstein would be buried with? Oh, I think, listen, Roy Kent would be like, it would have been a long journey because it would mostly be things like Die Hard and <laughs> He Loves the Rock and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but then he has Phoebe, so he knows all the all the Disney films. And uh, <laughs> I think the film he'd be buried with, and he just wouldn't want anyone to know this, so he'd probably leave it in his will, like don't don't fucking tell anyone, but put put Frozen in, put Frozen in, because it reminded him of Phoebe. He likes the twist, finds it very moving. <laughs> hey, that's a great that's a great movie. I have no problems with that. Um, and, you know, just an idea, Roy Kent interviewed by Brett Goldstein. I, I, I want to listen to that. I want to listen to it. It's, uh, it, like it's that. worth a, It's worth a thought. Might be quite time consuming in the edit, but yeah, it's a good <laughs> idea. Awesome. Until that glorious episode, <laughs> until <laughs> we watch more Ted Lasso. Thank you so much for your time, Brett. Thanks, man. Really nice to see you. Love to Thank everyone you. else. That was Brett Goldstein, and it is time for this week's listener question, and I don't think it's pulling back the curtain too far to say we don't have one. Uh, the triage system, let's be honest, is in full oh, crisis dear. at the moment. Uh, I have not had time to look for one, so I, I, while we've been doing this, I pulled one up, and the first one that came up comes from Gillian Simpson, oh, here we go. and Gillian says, I am loving being devastated by The Last of Us every week. What mm. other trauma TV shows should I be watching? Oh. Well, Ooh. I mean, that's got to have preparation for this. I no, no, say, I think um, free, freestyle it. Oh, okay. Do you, emotionally you. devastating. Yes. I would say um, we reviewed it, You and Me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... Episode one was just a real... It's a lot, isn't it? Punch. Yeah, that's a sucker punch of like, you know, you're going to feel all the emotions and cry your heart out. So if you're really wanting a, a good, good cry, which sometimes you just do, get that one. I yeah. think it's ITVX. The Handmaid's Tale is one that I stopped watching because oh, I found it cool. too... Yeah 
emotionally yeah. punishing, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't put myself through it anymore. So I stopped Hammer Cell, I think, season two, mm-hmm. uh, and never went back to that. That is that is a very good example, though. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I did stop watching it as well, not for that reason particularly. I just slightly slowed down for me, but then I kept, started again more recently. Mm. And it is a fantastic show. It's misery show. porn. Though. It is misery porn, but it's a brilliant mm. show, though. I mean, it really is. You know, right, every, every episode is really, good, really, really good. But that's the answer. Thank you. I mean, I May Destroy You is famously so traumatic that you can't mm. watch it. I mean, that is actually a good yeah. answer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I watched two episodes of that and just couldn't go on with it. Because I found it too upsetting. Mm. So, and that I mean, yeah, it, de- it did deal with, you know, ev- ev- all those particular traumas, sexual assault, rape, etc., um, mm. and the aftermath in an incredibly effective way. Well, this this question's going really well. I'm uh, well, I'm just... you know, this is what happens when you don't have time to prepare. I, re- I refuse to feel shame about this because really? you've got this famous triage system <laughs> that yeah. doesn't actually fucking work, <laughs> and I think we just need to accept it. Okay, in terms of things that were very upsetting, let me look back. Uh, when they see us, I would say that was pretty yeah. difficult to watch, but it's also really good. Uh, this is us. I've heard can be quite traumatic. Mm. I don't watch it, but I have yeah, heard yeah, yeah. that that's that's. Oh, you know what? I, the leftovers. The leftovers. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes, especially the first season, actually. which is just a, yeah. a meditation because, on grief. Yes, because it is a meditation on grief and also a meditation on the on the extremes to which people will go. After uh, this this level of trauma, I've got, mm. and and that has a very, I mean, we've seen it play out in the in the um, in the pandemic. You know, the post pandemic era, people are still, you know, dis- dissipating. That's not the right word. Um, conspiracy theories, you know, left, right, and centre. Yeah. People are still claiming that you know vaccines are, are, are killing people oh, and invented honestly. and got little trackers and all this stuff. The the insanity to which it, people are driven by dealing with a thing they can't compute. It's all the way through in the leftovers, but it's a brilliant. It's, it's, it feels to me. I actually need to do a proper rewatch of actually. I was talking to Mark Kermode about this the other day because he because he was talking about the film The Rapture, which is both one of our which for both of us is one of our favourite films of all time. And The Rapture has a lot. I think a lot of influence on the leftovers. Mm. The leftovers is like the rapture of epic TV, peak TV drama. You, you do have to kind of you know gird your loins a little bit for the leftovers. You have to gird your loins. Watch. Yes. Um, Grey's Anatomy has had its moments. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but I'm thinking in particular of the one where George O'Malley, do you remember when he's been in the accident and they've got him in there and he does the 007 thing on her hand because they don't realise it's him because he's so horribly disfigured from the accident and like Meredith like freaks out when she realises that it's George who's actually the, the patient. I haven't watched that much of Grey's Anatomy. Too. I didn't know you were such a Grey's Anatomy fan. Okay, this is one of my secret shows. I've watched, I think, seven years of Grey's Anatomy. Do <laughs> you know what? I've never really watched it either. And it's completely ridiculous because I love Shonda Rhimes. How mm. am I the only one here mm. who's done right. this? I interviewed Kevin McKidd the other day. Did you know? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. And in fact, I used the fact that I think you told me, which is that he's directed more episodes of it than anyone else. He said he's actually second to someone else. Oh, really? Yeah. But he has directed loads and loads of episodes. So what so. you're saying is James gave you a wrong fact. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Uh, Squid Game was pretty traumatic to watch. Yes, yes. That was true. a very, yeah, that, that was a was. trauma watch. And in fact, that's a good one because one of the things the original questioner, whose name was? Gillian. Gillian. I guess the point about The Last of Us is that every single week there's a, massive amount of trauma yeah, to deal with yeah. and every single week in Squid Game by definition because it was a different game yeah. a traumatic game yeah. was really painful and it was like the levels of pain yeah. weren't there, wasn't it um, yeah so that's a really good comparison <laughs> Squid Game for me like the bits that destroy me were the tug of war oh, God, and the yeah. bridge oh, the yeah. bridge maybe more than anything else was the just bridge horrific because yeah. in your head like if you do the, the maths on that the chances of anyone surviving that was so infinitesimally small yeah. <laughs> and spoiler alert not when he did no I mean that is fucking brutal um, uh, also, in terms of trauma, Chernobyl, while we're on the subject of Craig Mason yeah, shows, yeah. Chernobyl, oh my God, is just, just 
constant misery. Yeah. Constant misery. Um, did Kay, did you watch Outlander at all? No. I know, see, it's a bit timey-wimey, mm-hmm. but I wondered whether you might have done, but no, really? okay. Why was that traumatic? Yeah. Well, do you know what? I only watched the first season of it, but it got to the point where someone is raped almost every episode, oh and it got to the point where I was like, oh my God, could we no. just stop with this? And I stopped watching it for that reason. Mm. I'm I mean, sure, so Game of Thrones had a lot of... Um... It has quite, but it also has other things going on. Mm. Uh, I felt like this seemed very geared around that Beddings, particular... Yeah. Um, uh, there's all mass, sorts of, of nasty mass, things. Massacres, mass massacres. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? The Walking Dead was a proper trauma watch in its era. Yeah, when yeah. Certainly when Negan first came oh, in. Yeah. like There was a period, I think, when Negan was first introduced. I want to say it's season six. I genuinely can't remember. Where he kills, spoiler, Glenn and, that's, and, and Abraham. And that's a brutal episode. But more than that, afterwards, there's this kind of abusive relationship thing that all the characters have with Negan, which goes on for like two years. And it's it grinds you down because you're living in this heightened state of fear of what he will do next. And it's really upsetting. Like it's really oh, hard to I can't to handle those kind of shows. Yeah, it takes a it takes a lot out of you actually. It's a shame because obviously you were going to watch The Walking Dead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't got, got around to it all how many seasons are there now? Oh, of Walking Dead, it's eleven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's thank God it's finished. Yeah. But that, that, but Walking Dead had a kind of a general bleakness, where something mm. like because Kurt Sutter, who did Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy was one where it would be exciting and violent and all these things, but each season would begin with something genuinely horrific, whether it be like there's a violent sexual assault, there's someone's child being burned alive, there's a prison murder. He would always start with something absolutely horrific and harrowing, which would just leave you devastated for days, mm. and then get into the season. But, you know, that's Kurt Sutter for you. He did a similar thing, actually, in The Shield with a very particular episode. Of course which was, he did. Which was not pleasant. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some traumatic stuff. Sharp Objects, another one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was shock thoroughly up. depressing. Shock uh, well, Gillian, thank you for that uplifting question. I don't know about you, but I feel like a bunch I'm of really lols now. Out, yeah. yeah, You've ruined the whole podcast. Sorry. <laughs> uh, if you would like your question answered via the soon-to-be-replaced triage system, uh, please do send them in to us via the DM on Twitter or Instagram at Pilot TV Pod, or to me directly at James C. Dyer on the Instagram and we will either deal with it here randomly with no planning whatsoever or on Pilot Plus on Thursday. Okay, okay. It is time now for... Do we have another interview or news? I will give you the choice. Uh, let's have another guest. You want another guest? Yeah. Another guest. Well, then in which case it's time for Martha Plimpton. Martha Plimpton, for It Is She, stars in this week's A Town Called Malice, a Sky original crime thriller which is set in the early 80s and revolves around a family of South South London gangsters. Boydie caught up with Martha to find out more and apparently called her a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, Martha Plimpton. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've just hot-footed it from my uh, flat in Bermondsey. To get get out! Yeah, and I have to say... that of all Burmo! The, Burmo. You are playing a Burmo matriarch, gangster yes. matriarch in a town called Malice. And it has yeah. to be an unusual bit of casting, from, you know, from my <laughs> point of view. When I, when I saw the cast list, I, one thing stuck out, Martha Plimpton playing yeah. essentially a, a London working-class gangster figure. How the hell did it happen? Well... Funny you should ask. Um, no, I, I, I think you know my my agent said that there was this show that he thought that um, would be a uh, maybe a good fit for me, and um, and he reached out to Nick Love, um, our intrepid creator and writer and director, and and to Jamie Donahoe, who's our first director, and and uh, and. They basically said, "Well, can she do the accent?" I mean, it, 
And my agent called me and said, can you do the accent? And I said, yes, sure. Um, so I worked with somebody for about an hour and um, did a few lines and then sent it to them. And uh, then we had a Zoom uh, with Nick and with Jamie and and a few other people and casting director and and uh, then we they decided they'd it'd be worth a shot and they they'd uh, they'd let me take a crack at it and I'm very very grateful to them that they did because I had an absolute blast. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolute blast. Yeah. Did you and did you talk to them? Did you know from their point of view, like why they like they they went to you? Like what was what was it about you and your career? They thought, oh yeah. I don't. You know, I don't look. I, I I'm not really sure. I I don't know uh, if it's just because they like my bubbly personality or or what it was or or you know, um, Nick thought that he and I could get along together and work well together. Um. um I'm really not sure, um, you know, but I think that uh, uh, ultimately they they just thought it would be kind of a cool, crazy, wacky, unexpected choice for them, and and I guess it was. Um, I mean, I think I think um, Jason Fleming said to them, um, "This is either going to be the really, really brilliant or the worst idea ever." Uh, We're costing you. Yeah. Oh, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll leave it to uh, I'll leave it to our audience to decide which it was. Yeah. I mean, the accent is fantastic. I have to say. I was saying that. Did Did you then refine it? Did you? Or was that hour? You, oh no, you no, 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 no. I worked with the dialect coach oh, okay. throughout the whole process. I right. think that's really critical because, you know, it's not about putting on an accent, really, is it? It's about m- making sure that something's in your bones and in your body and. That it's rooted and sourced somewhere, you know, essential, or as we would say in, you know, in New York and Yiddish, in your kishkas, right? That it's coming from a place that's that's rooted, and um, and so that was what I worked with my dialect coach Nick Trumbull, who's brilliant, who's just fantastic, uh, and who really helped me to connect not to, not just to do, talk in an accent, so but to connect this person who's a very, very different person than I am and comes from a very different world than I do. Um, and give me the confidence to sort of carve out that space in my chest for her, um, to give her a place to live. You know what I mean? So that I wasn't sort of coming into work going, you know, ahoy matey. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Or whatever the fuck a person would say. But, um, Excuse my language, oh, um, but please. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean to to really to give it a real place to live because I think that's what's most important. You know, you can you can make the sounds all the right way. You know, you can move your mouth in all the right ways, but if it's not if it's not in you, then it you can't sell it, and people will constantly be listening to you and looking for mistakes and looking for, yeah. you know what I mean. And and I don't want people to think about that. I want people to watch the character and focus on the story and and fall in love with the person and the woman and be and care about what happens to her and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Talking of swearing, she does like a bit of swearing. She does like the C word. They all do, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. How, yeah. And I felt that like you enjoyed the the kind of the power to use that that word particularly. Well, I've been using that word all my life. Right. Um so it was not a big deal for me. Um I understand that it's it's got a cultural difference between the United States and here that you know, it's a much more commonly used word here. Uh, um, 
but I, I've, I, I've known that word since I was a little girl, and it's, it doesn't. You're fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, but it does have a very specific sound and emphasis, um, particularly when said by a South Londoner or a person from Bermondsey. Um, it's got a, it's got a real. Uh, there's a real punctuation to it, yeah. let's say, and 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 so does just swearing in general, and the the, the cadence and the humor, um, you know, the Cockney rhyming slang as well. You know, there's a lot there uh, that's all part of the the character of these people or the characters of these people, um, and that I really love. That's really a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole vibe of the show is very over the top, isn't it? And kind of heightened and almost operatic kind of thing. Did you, was that when you actually was that in the script or when you arrived to film it? Was that well, there you're aware of just how kind of um, stylized um, it was going to be? Yeah. Well, I feel the script is is the script was actually really unusual because I, usually I'm not very good at sort of visualizing what the world is, how it's going to end up looking or being or whatever. I'm, um. I'm not very good at that. Uh, but with this script, it was different because everything was very, very vivid and, uh, and, and really did sort of leap off the page. And really, I did hear the music and I did see the vistas and I did see the sort of the pan and the swoosh and the, you know, all of it. So that was unusual. And, and then, the sort of the the rhythm of the language was also very clear. I could I could hear the way it was potentially going to get cut together and that sort of thing, which I think is very it's a real testament to Nick Love's writing and his ability to really really be specific and um, give it a very kind of. Um, I don't know, a big swish, bang, zoom, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, I don't I, I don't think I saw it as being heightened in terms of performance. Um, I think that the characters all, and this is important to Nick Love as well, of course, it's very important that they all remain grounded in a, in a reality and a truthfulness because, you know, these are people, he knows these people. You know, Nick comes from this world and he knows these people intimately and he has no interest in making fun of them or being cynical about them at all. He, he, these are people he loves and these are people he, that he wants, whose stories he wants to tell. And, you know, it may be a, a slightly sexier version, you know, in that it's happening in Spain, but, you know, he's seen people do that too, you know, fly away to Spain and start a business. Um, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, but it has to be rooted in, in truth and in honesty, because otherwise you're not going to really be invested in it. You're not going to really care about what happens to these people. And also you're not, you're not going to get invested in the way he's telling the story. Right. If, if we're playing at camp, then when these characters start to sing to a song in their head, you're going to go, oh, okay. You're not going to go, ooh, ooh, what's happening now? And I, I'm really impressed with how he's managed to pull that off, uh, how they've all managed to pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. But do, when you watch it back, though, it must feel like that must be an interesting experience to see all of the color and the, the kind of the, the I mean, visual heightened yeah. sense. And yes, the music for sure. and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, and Chaz Bain, who who shot our first bunch of episodes, you know, the, the fact that it's all shot in anamorphic, you know, in, in a in a framework that's very sort of uh, traditional Western, almost sort of, um, you know, very cinematic, very, oh, very beautifully constructed, very balanced, rather than just close ups. And you know what I mean? It, it's it's. I mean, look at, you know, you see yeah. behind me. I mean, it's a whole that's that's the that's the picture that you get when you're when you're watching this show, which is uh pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like Ma is kind of like the brains of the operation in a way. Even, even between, Do you? Yeah. Like well, Thank because, you. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so it's like she's like Jason Fleming, he's kind of like does stuff off the cuff, I feel, and you're the one who has a more thoughtful approach to how things should go. Well, I, I don't know that Ma would cop to that. Okay. Uh, I think it's very important to her that she support her husband and that she's loyal to him and she's, she is completely 100% devoted to her family and to protecting her family and to making sure her family uh, is in a position to thrive. Yeah, she's got a certain amount of power over her husband to maybe tell him to cool his jets or you know, to calm the fuck down. But um, I don't think she'd ever admit to having control over him at all. Sure. Yeah, she wouldn't admit to it. But I think she probably does that. Well, she may. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't enter her mind that right. she just, she's not a manipulative person. And I think that that's an important distinction because I think what's wonderful about the women in this show is that they are... 100% on an equal par uh, narratively and story-wise with the men. They are absolutely involved in and invested in each stage, each step of the story. Uh, and they're not just sitting by and watching. Maybe in some cases they are. Maybe things are happening to them. But ultimately, they are very much a part of the story. And I don't think they're like, you know, the spider and the fly. They're not sitting there, you know, weaving the web or, you know, twirling their proverbial mustache. Um, they are out to survive and out to take care and out to protect. And, you know, and there's a certain kind of woman who knows how to do that without drawing attention to herself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You have a scene in episode two where you sing this song. <laughs> now, that must be one of those exposing things you could do. How was that to film that? Oh, it's fine. You know, I I sing. I've sung before. I've, you know, I've been in musicals. I've done, you know, one woman shows. I've done concerts and stuff like that. So yeah, you're yeah. fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine. Good. <laughs> and was it like? Because obviously, for for those of us who follow your career, like from the you, the 80s, you I associate with the 80s. Those incredible string of films that you you, you were in mm. in that period. And it's interesting. This is set in that period. What's it like for you to kind of go back to that period in a way? Well. It's it's not really like that for me at all. I mean, you know, I I I, I I've been doing this and uh, I've been alive since 1970, and uh, you know, and and uh, in the 80s I did, uh, you know, I did do a string of sort of successful movies and not so successful ones like everybody else. Um, so to me, it's not really like going back. It's like sort of. It's uh, it's telling a, a, a story in a certain context and, you know, maybe in a slightly more 
glamorous or, you know what I mean, with uh, foxier outfits and, you know what I mean, or um, something like that. But um, to me, a story is a story, right? And you're just trying to find the most compelling, most interesting, most, I don't know, most uh, fun, exciting way of telling that story. And I think our cultural, there's a cultural moment right now that I think makes us sort of fascinated with the 80s. Um, You know, Eliza was saying earlier, it's sort of the last period before we became hyper, hyper technologized. You know, it's the last period of sort of relative innocence where we were actually still interacting with one another without the internet. Um, So that's important. It's also the beginning of this period that I think we're seeing the really horrific ramifications of, which is a period of greed and self uh, looking out for the self and looking out for one's own, you know, I'm going to get mine. Uh, It's the end of the post-war period of the New Deal and the Great Society and the idea that, you know, social welfare and, and the, 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 you know, the, 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 the social safety net, sort of the beginning of the end of that. Um, which we're now all realizing was a terrible idea and has really fucked us um, ultimately in the time we're living in now. So, so I think it's, and, and it was a time when we were always unsure on our feet. You know, it was the beginning of the AIDS crisis. It was, you know, the, 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 the Cold War was at, you know, at a very uh, dangerous sort of place, or at least certain people wanted us to think it was. Um, they wanted us to be afraid of, of nuclear annihilation. Um, Reaganomics, Thatcherism, all of these things, people were, you know, very much unsure of the ground beneath their feet. And and so that kind of makes it a, a, a really ripe sort of background to this reality of this family in this place, when, of course, historically, it was the Costa del Crime, right? I mean, it's no coincidence. So I think our fascination with it sort of dovetails really nicely with the story of, uh, you know, of England and England's uh, criminal, working class criminal world at this time. And, and so, yeah, I just think it's, it's a fun kind of examination of that and also a, a kind of, and you'll tell me if I'm talking too much, but it's also the first time we could take music with us personally in our heads. It was the advent of the Walkman. It was the first time when we could be in the music video of our lives, right? And we could tune everything out and just kind of walk down the street and imagine ourselves as a member of Duran Duran or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? And and so all of that, I feel like, and I hope it's not too ambitious of me to say this, but I feel like all of that kind of finds its way into this particular show in a kind of wonderful, seamless and really cool, very, very, very cool way. Yeah, oh, completely. I'm, I'm obsessed with the Aces, having been born at a similar time to you. Yeah. Um, so it really feels like an immersive, like I think it's interesting, you take, you're right, the music videos, there's an actual music video at the end yeah, of the episode. Yeah. It's really interesting, and there's the whole dance number. It's fascinating how it yeah. really taps into that whole mm-hmm. thing. I have to ask, though, because there's a huge, like, your run of films, The Goonies, Mosquito Coast, Running on Empty, Parenthood, Parenthood, one of the greatest films of all time. Thank you. Um, 
Did you, cause you, no, but you, you didn't do many other bad films at that time. So did you just have a great taste as a, as a ah. young woman, you know, in Hollywood? Or was it just coincidence that you did this string of absolutely fabulous Yeah, no, films? I think I, I, my mother and I did have, uh, d do our best. You know, I didn't want to work constantly. I wanted to work on good things. I wanted to work on, I wanted to work well rather than constantly. And, and, uh, and I, I did get, I was fortunate. I got to work with some really great directors and some really great people, really great actors. And um, yeah, and that was the idea. It wasn't to become famous. It was to be, you know, um, part of something, of things I could be proud of. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever rewatch, do you, like me, do you rewatch Parenthood every, no, every year? No, 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 can't, no, no. You can't watch yourself. No. no, okay. It might be nice actually to see Parenthood again, but in my scenes, I'd probably I'd f fast forward my dialogue and like I'd move forward to the Keanu and Diane Weist and and Joaquin stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw you in Sweat on the London stage. Oh, which wonderful! Was brilliant. And I'm mean, thinking of mass brilliant film. Those are very political film, um, you know, plays and films. Mm -hmm. And I know you're very in into politics. Is that important to you that you have a, a mouth, you have a, a voice and you can express, you know, what you feel about the political? Yes, system? absolutely. I think um, in terms of my work on stage and in film, I'm not interested in, in being political or polemical. I'm interested in good storytelling. And, and I think in the, in the case of Mass and in the case of Sweat, these are two really masterfully told stories and, and handled by writers and creators who are thinking about society as a whole and humanity and people. Um, I think politics is a little, it's way too small for the arts. I think politics is much more, you're, you're, you want to focus, you're focusing on specific things which is great. And there's a place for that. And it's important to do that. But I don't want to confuse politics with art, because I think that if it's good, if it means something to humanity, to people, to, to people's hearts, to people's souls, it will be political, whether you want it to or not. Uh, Martha Plimpton, thanks so much. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Cheers. That was Martha Plimpton. And Boyd being abusive. <laughs> oh, uh, should we have news? What's happening in news, people? Tell me oh, about the wow. news. So much news. Where to start? Where to start? Kay, where do you want to start? Oh. Well, I've only got two small oh, things. Okay. And the, so the Go Young Offenders it. comedy, which I believe you watched, Boyd, didn't you? Yes, very funny, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's returning for a fourth series on BBC uh, One and iPlayer soon. Mm. Um, also, for <laughs> the Kemp fans... Oh, I don't know what I'm laughing. I do love... This is great news, yeah. by the way. Gary and Martin Kemp um, are back filming in a follow-up to their 2020 mockumentary, The Camps, All True, with Rhys Thomas. And uh, that's coming later in the year on BBC Two. That is brilliant news. If you haven't seen The Camps, James, the hour-long mockumentary about the Spandau Ballet. Hang brothers. on. Well, I think we reviewed it yes. on this podcast. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> it was fucking hysterical, wasn't it? It was funny. You, even yeah. you liked it. I but remember, even you liked it. I'm pointing with right With only a finger. passing knowledge of who yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. It's because it. Reese Thomas, it's all down to Reese Thomas is an absolute genius. Come on, I love him. He Because he's, he essentially has that extremely silly vibe. He will do anything to get a laugh. So whether it be like a linguistic punning, slapstick, ludicrous spoofery, stunt casting, Everything is in everything is in there, and he is absolutely brilliant at this stuff. Brian Pern, he decreated that character, Brian Pern, who was like a piss take of of Peter Gabriel, basically. Not to be a point, and those if you haven't never watched Brian Pern, that they're all I think they're on Amazon Prime actually. Um, they're hysterical, but I love the, I love the fact that Kemp is doing a follow up, and I had the great privilege because I was a massive Spandau Ballet fan mm. okay, in the, when they came out in the early eighties to the point where I had like a box set. Oh my god! Yeah, oh yeah, I was fully into it, and I got to brilliantly. The BBC asked me to host the Q and A for when the Kemp's 
um, first part went out. Is it last oh, year cool. or the year before? So I got to interview them together and I literally had my Spandau Ballet oh, <laughs> collection behind me. They were like, oh my so God, sweet. you are really a psychotic fan. I was like, yeah. Do you want to hear my embarrassing Martin Kemp story quickly? Yes. Right. So a photographer came into um, the office to show us the, her portfolio. Um, was showing us all the shots she'd taken and we got to one of Martin Kemp and I was like, just made some off the cuff comment of just saying, oh yeah, total dilf or something. And we just turning through the pages. And then my art director was pissing himself laughing after she left. And I was like, why are you laughing? And he's like, oh, you're such a dick. And I was like, yeah, but why more so than normal? And she goes, because you've just said to Martin Kemp's daughter, <laughs> Martin oh, yeah, Kemp that, yeah. is a dilf. So, yeah, right. that was awkward. There's been a couple of series ending things, haven't there? There have. Yes. So Ted Lasso, yes. for example, um, is ending with this third I mean, season. you In, say that. Yes, yes. <laughs> In this form. Yeah. But they've left the door open. Do you think it's going to be like the Doctor and he's going to transmogrify into another actor? It could be a new, new, new character. Oh, I don't want that. I want, I'd rather a spin-off, maybe. A spin-off, yeah. Possible also spin-offs, maybe with Roy Kent, Brett Goldstein's character. But they've certainly, not any kind of, they left the door open for spin-offs and different versions of whatever, of Ted Lasso itself. Um, I don't think with a different actor playing the same character, that would be, that would be mad. But they've almost hinted that that's, that that's what they would, in one way, shape or form, they would do that. But this is the final series, this third final series, which we're going to be reviewing in a minute, in fact, uh, is the end of this iteration of Ted Lasso. So that's interesting. Is that how you say it? Lasso? As opposed to? Yeah. Lasso. <laughs> that's a big difference. No, no, because no, when he lasso. says it, he always goes Ted, Ted, lasso. Ted lasso. Ted Lasso. Oh, so you're saying, he do you put the into, emphasis yeah. on, the, on the final yeah, syllable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted, Ted lasso. lasso. Yeah, so Ted that's lasso. what, that's what, yeah, Lasso. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Lasso feels natural to me, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, and Barry, Barry, yeah. much beloved of this podcast. Um, those of us can be able to watch it, that is. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I'm yes. going to watch yes. it. It's on my um, list. Bill Hader has confirmed that the imminent fourth season um, will be the last. And uh, I think that season four is co- it's coming very soon to HBO in the States. I don't know if Sky have yet confirmed how soon it would come to Sky. It's on Sky Atlantic over here. Or Sky Comedy. Maybe Sky Comedy, in fact. Has it got the Fonz in it? Uh, it has got the Fonz in it. Henry Winkler, mm. yeah, who's phenomenally brilliant in it. Um, it's a really good show. It's, it, I mean, yeah, you should give it a go. Okay, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's incredible. So I'm really excited. Uh, April 16th, the final season premiere is in the States. Not sure when. Not sure if that will be that quickly here, but hope so. But that is that is will be the final season. James. And and the most and? important ending, Boyd. Star Trek Discovery is ending oh. with season five, which of course you forgot to mention. <laughs> of course, I forgot to mention yes. that. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery. Was but you a, didn't even like Discovery. I know. Yes. I've gone off Discovery. Yeah. A bit, it has to be said. So I'm yeah. hoping that, like Picard, it will rally in the final mm. season. So uh, we we'll can but hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Picard, which I might add, is going from strength to strength week by week. Obviously, I've seen the first six episodes, so I'm not really watching it week by week. But for those of you who are, I hope you are having a good time because it is excellent. Meanwhile, also, I forgot to mention, I am pushing on with For All Mankind. I'm one episode away from the yes. end of season one. Loads so. of people on, well, at least like three or four, I've seen on Twitter, <laughs> watch, all similarly inspired. Yes, inspired to watch inspired For All Mankind. To watch it, and they're it's all, magnificent. Of course it's magnificent. It's magnificent. It's, a, it's yeah. just an, it's an objective fact that yeah. For All Mankind is magnificent. It's very, very good. I'm yeah. enjoying it an awful lot. Yeah. Um, here's the thing, because yeah. obviously on last week's pilot, Plus, I watched Celebrity Bake Off with Daisy Ridley, yeah. uh, who made a terrible ganache. But she's uh, Stop saying that. she's moved away from the ganache now, and in fact, she's doing a TV series called The Better Liar, based on the novel by Taryn Jones. Uh, and this is about a woman who gets caught up in layers of deception after her sister's death, when she obviously when she obviously hires a lookalike in order to try and claim their shared inheritance. Okay, that's already sounding a really cuckoo bong. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds. <laughs> I'm deranged. not sure about that. But yeah, that's the thing that's happening. 
Talking of Cuckoo Bong, um, did you see, I didn't know until um, there was a story in Variety that this vehicle was happening, um, and I use the word advisedly, the Jeremy Renner, you know I'm going to say, the Jeremy Renner series coming up on Disney Plus, James? What, oh, renovations. Renovations. Yeah. <laughs> renovations. I know, it's amazing. Literally just created because wow. of that pun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, you know, obviously Jeremy Renner's been had that terrible accident. He has. Um, which he's recovering from, thankfully. But he has said, he was talking about how much the fact that the vehicle renovation show, Renovations, is coming to Disney Plus on April 12th. Again, in America, I'm not sure entirely if it's going to be here then. And he's, he's really looking forward to it as part of his recuperation. That's, you know, yeah, so... But wh- I had no idea. Did you yeah. know this? I, I g- genuinely had no idea that yeah. this was the thing until they mentioned it. Absolutely. Yeah. Renovations. Fantastic. Uh, speaking of exciting things, though, did either of you watch the trailer for Silo? Oh, this is the new Apple TV. Which is TV another Apple one word S show, which is show. incredible. No, because all I saw was you talking about someone on the internet and you were, just, it was, you were saying it was called Sheep or something <laughs> in the book and there was a whole, oh, I mean. It's, no, it's, What's it about? It's not called Sheep. What's it called? It's Wool. based on the book Wool, Wool. by Hugh Howie. <laughs> <laughs> better if it's called Sheep, but a it begins with that. very so. famous book, very right. famous, because he self-published it, and it was a massive oh, hit. Wow. And then he eventually did sell the physical publishing rights, but he, he kept the digital publishing rights himself, because he'd been very, very successful as a self-published mm. author. He's written a whole series of books and set in this world, and this is an adaptation of Wool. It stars Rebecca Ferguson, Commons in it, David O'Yellowo's in it, uh, Graham Yost, who did Justified, and indeed Band of Brothers as a showrunner, and... It is exactly what you'd imagine an Apple adaptation of this looks like. It is lavish. It is lush. It looks like it costs all the money in the world. The sets are glorious. The performances look amazing. Like, I am 100% here for this. Kay, it's set in the future. I don't know what to tell you. I'm out. Uh, I'm I'm Googling Rebecca Ferguson. Why why is it called Wool? That would kind of be a spoiler to say. Really? I can tell you why. So it can be called Silo because humanity lives in silos under the ground because the mm. earth has become uninhabitable. Look outside your window and you'll see that we're rapidly going there. Uh, <laughs> but that's where it is. Do you know what? I, maybe it isn't actually a spoiler to say what it is. So basically, when people do very bad things in the silo, they are essentially cast out. They're exiled from the silo and they are sent to clean. So there is a there is a lens, there is a camera that enables them to monitor the outside world. So when they are exiled, they are sent out and they go out to clean the lens of the camera. But it's a death sentence. They're essentially sentenced to death. They go outside, they clean the lens, then they die because you can't live out there. Like they just die. So it's a whole and that's that's where the wool comes in. Wait, why can't they live out there? Because it's like a post-apocalyptic landscape. Okay. Like, I still don't understand what the wool is. It's what they clean the lens oh, with. They get right. a bit of wool and oh, they clean God, the lens. Right. Oh. Uh, yeah. So no, that's that's why I called it J cloth. No, so, um, <laughs> that wouldn't so, have been quite as catchy a title. Can I just say I think it's good they've changed the title for from these wool areas. to silo, yeah. from sheep to silo. Yes, yes. from sheep to silo. Sheep, sheep would have been sheep is an S word, one word. Exactly, so actually yes. that would have worked. Yes, that's yeah. Okay. Just to confirm, Rebecca Ferguson is the Swedish actress and not the British singer-songwriter <laughs> from X Factor that I was momentarily. Yeah, thanks, Kay. I definitely would have made that mistake. Rebecca Ferguson. And in the Mission no, Impossible anyone, films. Like, Have you not seen the Mission, the Mission no. Impossible? No. You should see the Mission Impossible okay. films. Did you see? Did you see the RTS uh, nominator announced yes. this week, Kay? And I believe you were a uh, judge on them. Yes, as I, I was. was. Which category did you, were you judging, Kay? I was on the scripted comedy oh. panel. So, um, our in our oh yeah, God, what are our, your nominees? Our trio were uh, a real a treat, and I'm really excited. Big boys, very yes. much on the list. Yes, the last, um, you know, Derry Girls. Yes. And the third one was Kunk on Earth. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. I was in the drama series jury, and we had the excellent trio of Sherwood, Mm. The Responder. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Yes, of course. And Top Boy. I still haven't seen Top, Top Boy. Top Boy's really good. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah, that's a good lineup as well. Um, other nominees I'll just uh, mention while uh, James like just 
you know, I don't know answers emails, yeah. Samson Kayo for Bloods, comedy performance this is, John Pointing for Big Boys, Lenny Rush for Am I Being Unreasonable? That's I'm a really good... We've got a few nominees because Daisy May Cooper got nominated. Yeah, the Lenny Rush is a really good shout. Yes, very good shout. Rose Matafeo, who we previously yeah. mentioned from Bake Off, she was nominated. And Leah Brotherhead from Hull Raisers, another. another <gasps> I favorite. really liked Hull Raisers. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I actually did uh, speak up for it in the, yeah. on the panel because yeah. I thought Com- it was great. Comedy drama, Am I Being Unreasonable? Brassic and Cheaters. I love Brassic. Yeah. Very good. Leading actor female. Let's well, do the leading actor male and female, James. Then you can end because I know clearly you you want to get. You He's glazed over. Yeah, I, st- well, I stopped over. listening as soon as you mentioned the NFTs. Like I just the like, RTS, Royal Television Society. Yeah. They're second only to the Baftas in prestige, James. Oh, so I see. You see, you said an acronym, and I immediately wrote it off in my head as it was the National What's It Things <sighs> Awards. No. So obviously, this I, Not I the clearly NTAs. missed the whole Not thing. The NTAs. In, oh, in which case, in which oh, case, I'm back on board. I'm back in the room now. Good. Well, okay, okay, okay. So, female, female, Sarah Lancashire. Um, no, that, I think she, that was outside the yeah, uh, was next, last calendar year. Right. Yeah, so think last calendar year. Daisy May Cooper. Oh no, it dramatic. Did you say? Yeah, leaning out to a female. Tell me, Ooh. Billy Piper. Oh yes, for of I course. hate Susie too. Kate Winslet for I Am Ruth. And Monica Dolan for The Thief, His Wife, and A Canoe. And leading out to male Kane Robinson for Top Boy. Kit Connor for Heartstopper. Mm. And Chasky Spencer for Our Favorite, The English. Yeah, mm, yeah. So they're good. good. All good performances. Yeah. We can move on now. Um, you know, they span off billions into millions, squillions, yeah. trillions. I feel like trillions. we're always talking about it. We, yeah, are, we are, but obviously Showtime are, are, are milking, frankly, the shit out of every single IP they have. So Ray Donovan, which ended and then got a oh, a, like a film. Did you, were you you're a Donovan fan? Yeah, at the beginning. I mean, yeah. it didn't... Like, you didn't finish it? No. So you definitely didn't watch the film at the end. No, I don't. It's I, rubbish. I didn't watch the film. Uh, I really liked the series. I did not enjoy the film at all. Yeah. I thought it was a very disappointing end to the story. But it's going to get spin-offs. I don't know in what form, but Showtime are doing uh, a looking at Ray Donovan spin-offs. Day so. Ronovan. Day Ronovan. Yes, that's right. Day Ronovan spin-offs. Uh, <laughs> His who, twin brother. That he who used. knows? I don't. I don't know what it's going to be, but they're apparently looking at that. Also in news, I will say, uh, and I mentioned this in the Empire podcast, but John Berntal's Punisher will be returning oh, yeah. to the Daredevil universe for Daredevil: Born Again. When it's on Disney Plus, yeah, no, doesn't mean anything to Kay. No, doesn't mean anything to Kay. Kay, were you a big fan of season two of Daredevil? Many people say rightly that it is the most disappointing of the three seasons of Daredevil. What did you think of the thirteen episodes of season two? I just thought it was rubbish. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I understand that. That makes perfect sense. Okie dokie, that was something approximating a new section. So let's move on to this week's reviews. And first up, we have extrapolations, <laughs> which is a very fun word to say, extrapolations, uh, which Kay is going to tell us all about. No! Uh, <laughs> and the reason I'm going to say that is because Kay just pointed a mouth to Boyd to, Boyd to talk about it. This is it's very Apple's... layered and dense, and I just don't think I'd do it justice. Uh, this is Apple's latest massive budget show, frankly, uh, which is an anthology series with all the famouses that depicts the effects of climate change through the eyes of numerous different characters, all played by famouses. Uh, it is just as cheery as it sounds. Kay, what did you extrapolate from this? <laughs> is that mean? Should I just give it to Boyd? You're such a shit. I'm a horrible yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Boydie. Right. Well, so this is created by Scott Z. Z. Burns, as I guess he's known in the, in the United States of America, where he comes from. Having written, he wrote the screenplays for a whole load of Steven Soderbergh films, including The Informant, Contagion, Side Effects, uh, and more. Um, and he has written... Kate's <laughs> just choked on a water for some reason. <laughs> it sounded like a source. Oh, The Laundromat, there was another one. I knew like there was another one. story time for kids and yeah. more. Scott Z. Burns. So he's most famous for writing all those Steven Soderbergh films. And this has got a certain Soderberghian quality to it. 
um, in the sense that it kind of cuts between a lot of different locations um, and kind of has, you know, it's trying to depict a whole kind of version of our world. I mean, the cast, as has been alluded to um, already, is ridiculous. So Meryl Streep, Sienna Miller, Kit Harrington, Edward Norton, Diane Lane, David Diggs, Tahar Rahim, Matthew Reese, Gemma Chan, David Schwimmer, Kerry Russell, <laughs> Marion Cotillard, Forrest Whitaker, Murray Bartlett, Indira Farmer, Toby Maguire, Heather Graham, Judd Hirsch. It's almost it's almost I embarrassing. Mean, it's how, almost yeah. embarrassing. Mm. Now, what this is, it's eight eight different stories which are, are interconnected. Yes. So, in the first episode, which is the only one I've watched, I have to admit, you, you do meet the characters played by Kit Harrington, who is like a global billionaire. Figure. He's Elon Musk. He's Elon Musk. Correct. And you get to meet Matthew Reese, who is like a kind of slightly sub Elon Musk. <laughs> His name he's is all, actually Junior. He's also yeah. He's another really rich and successful with with, with ego slightly terrifying teeth. With, <laughs> Why? Right. Really Here we go. Teeth. Here we go. What the fuck is going on with his teeth? He has got listeners, the most obvious pair of false teeth. No, it's intentional. Yeah. But you know in but Friends, why? you know because in Friends when like, Ross you know, has Trump. his teeth whitened. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> That's so what I'm it not is. just whitened. I know. They're, not, they're goofy yeah. overbite, whatever you call them teeth. I think it's, the, it's just teeth. like a thing of like, he's so rich that he's just like, he what? just... Yeah, he's so rich that he hasn't had them dealt with. <laughs> Yeah. No, they, they have well, to be dealt with. That's veneers, why they're white. That's why they're super they? white. Yeah. But yeah. it's not just the color. It's the, it's the goofiness. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have your teeth done, you, you want to you'd like, you know, you reduce they're the quite goofiness. They're prominent. They're ridiculously prominent <laughs> no, and they don't I make do, any sense. I just think they're white. They're not they, big. Oh, no, they're, they're quite okay, big. Okay, you have well, quite so you, You're saying he looks like Bugs Bunny. You think they have normal teeth with just whitened? Oh, my God, that is genuinely hilarious. You've got to have to check it out, Kate. You've got to have another look. I promise you. They are not Matthew Reese's normal teeth. I just saw a glimpse of what were like tippets and I was like, oh, my God, he's had his teeth work. Absolutely not. They are ludicrous. They are ludicous. And I'll tell you why they're there. To remind yourself, as if you need reminding when you watch this frankly demented show, (laughs) that he's evil and nasty and exploited (laughs) because he's got silly teeth. (laughs) And honestly, this show is ridiculous. It's one of the worst things Apple TV has ever done. In fact, it's easily one of the worst things Apple's ever done. It's the most unsubtle clunky, exposition-filled, laboured, tedious bore of a thing. And the whole idea of it is, are we going to affect, we're going to show the effects of climate change on our planet throughout by having a different story each week with some linking characters set in a different future. This is, this first one is set, you know, sometime in the future, 2037, in fact, and then others are set further in the future. We're going to labour the point by showing you TV footage every five seconds of the flooding and the fires and the thing that's all happening in this version of our world. The whole thing's kind of got a yellow pallor over it, as if the whole world's gone yellow because of climate change. They're all of the nasty, horrible, rich, exploitative capitalist people are ridiculous. It's one-dimensional idiots, particularly Kit Harrington and uh, Matthew Reese this episode. But they're not the only ones. There's an older guy, older Jewish guy, whose son is David Diggs, who wants to become a rabbi or something. He is a rabbi. And there's a scene, I can't give away the details, there's a scene, I'm just saying, the scene in hospital, right, (laughs) with his wife who's been taken ill, is demented. And I couldn't work out. There's two things I couldn't work out. Yeah, they're trying to be funny. Like it was genuinely like something out of Kirby Enthusiasm. Like, but but played straight. 
And then all I'm just going to say is the walrus scene. Oh my God. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot expound any more just to say, listeners. He is the walrus. It's worth watching it for the walrus scene. And I, I guarantee yeah. you will wonder whether it's, you're taking the piss or it's meant to be taken seriously. This is the most completely like wrong-headed I... load of old bullshit I've ever seen in my entire Boys fucking right life. In the face. I Look. love it when the such a boy goes yeah. off the deep end. Oh it's God. terrible. Think of your it's, blood pressure. It's so like, terrible, though. I actually enjoyed it because of its terribleness. To start with, I was just annoyed. I was like, this is so unsubtle and clunky and awful and terrible. The good guys were... It was really like, preach, the, depic- yeah. the depiction of... Matt and his wife, his pop star wife, <laughs> who's the most least likely pop star in the history of the world ever, <laughs> on their private jet. We're all rich. We're exploited. We don't give a shit about climate change because we're really rich. And there's another load of rich people who don't care about climate change either. Yeah, also, rivaling them themselves for being the ones who least care about climate change. Whereas the rabbi, oh, I care about climate change yeah, yeah. with my terrible, appalling dad who also doesn't care about it because he's rich and powerful okay, breathe, as well. breathe, breathe, breathe. It is fucking terrible. Do you know what? I mean, there is there is a moment when Matthew Reese's character is talking about he's not, uh, you know, ultimately not caring about the cr- climate crisis or the demise because at the end of the century, he'll be dead and he'll be, but he'll be rich and he'll be in a gold-plated coffee. Yeah. And I'm like, Mm, yeah. Yes. It's not subtle. I mean, it's not subtle. <laughs> no. It's not smart. It's not subtle. It's, you know, it is very much hammering home a point. I wouldn't go as red in the face as Boyd about it. I mean, who is literally just, you know, furious mm-hmm. about it. I thought it was interesting, but I did what I did think. I mean, I thought it was funny, like in terms of like the glimpse to the future. I mean, even though it's very. Yeah. No, I mean, it is intentional. Kanye doing the interiors for the built-in properties and, um, you know, this kind of ideal scenario they've created where Israel and Palestine are living in peace and we're all filled with plastic and shit like this. I mean, it's very sobering, parts of it. And actually... <laughs> I mean, it would be if you could take it any anyway seriously, yeah. No, it, it was bleak as fucking parts because I was like, oh, You're God. You're telling me you were sobered by this absolute load of... Yeah, well, when you I, see I, the it footage... It quite and you... close to home, isn't it? Because like, it's not like it's that far-fetched. Like, it does feel a little no, bit not. like... Oof. I mean, except for the walrus. walrus! <laughs> 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 Which I have to say, I want to urge all listeners, even if you can't be asked to watch the whole thing, uh, just yeah. go to the last 10 minutes <laughs> and bathe in the madness. Because it is completely... Like, that is banana crackers. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's full on, you know. But yeah, it's in 2037 I don't know if you said that yes, and, and the world has gone to hell in a handcart so that's what we've got to look forward to well I mean or have we no we haven't because <laughs> the real world is, is different to these I did think the hologram stuff was interesting oh, but my, they I, I, I must so admit tired. there's a bit where Kit Harrington is reading the news via his swimming pool and I was oh, like, like yeah. I was like I don't care uh, how rich really you are no Why? one is scrolling through yeah. their tweets on a swimming pool yeah, they're just of, not doing it just, just, instead of looking on his phone <laughs> or <laughs> iPad he's he has to check the, the latest it's Dr. Shares via his swimming pool. It's a bigger surface. You absolute surface. morons. It's a bigger surface. And at no point does anyone go, hold on a minute, do you think it'd be really weird check it in his swimming pool and not just on his phone maybe? No, definitely check the swimming pool. I mean, that was very silly. I, I did not take against this quite the way Boy did. Uh, it is about as subtle as a walrus to the face. There's no denying oh, that. Oh, no. uh, spoiler. It really is just... <laughs> 
I mean, it's just fucking hell. Um, I, yeah, it, it disappointed me because the star power, the mega oh, star power here is I mean, it's off a the chain. Yeah. I'm never that fond of anthology series, but but I thought, you know, it's tackling climate change. It might be quite interesting. Honestly, the thing about this that I liked the most is that there is a point where Sienna Miller is running away from a forest fire while pregnant, because of course she is. But she's running away from this forest fire with her best friend, and her best friend is played by Cara G., A.K.A. Kamina Drummer of the Belter Loader from the Expanse, oh, and I was just like, God. "Yes, Kamina! Oh it's, it's most redeemable oh feature. Yeah. Is that it for, yeah, it's got fine. drummer in it. It's got drummer. Also, did anyone notice? I might have made this up because I couldn't find proof anywhere. But at the end, you know, there's a track at the end of someone singing. I mm. think that is Matthew Reese. And, <laughs> I, and then I googled I mean, it, and he's a trained singer. So oh, like, by yeah, the way, yeah, could be. I love Matthew Reese, right? Yeah, oh brilliant. yeah, the Americans are one of the great shows of all time. Blah, um, blah, blah, more blah. importantly, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> I tell you what, this is right. This is they've, they've, they've all of these people. The reason all these people have agreed to do the show, the and they must have read the fucking script and gone, well, we just have to, you know, leave the script to one side. No, not the money. It's because mm. they want to be seen to be doing the right thing and taking part in this thing about climate change, guys. You know, we're going to change the world with our eight <laughs> Boy, part, climate change eight is part, important. Uh, eight part, you know, tearing your part of the way the world's going like, fuck off <laughs> write a proper script and come back to me and then get fucking Meryl wow. Street to waste her time you have turned Boyd Savage yeah. and frankly it takes a lot to turn yeah. Boyd Savage it, I, I honestly I, people can judge but it's, it's I was astonished well, how bad it was extrapolations will be projected <laughs> on a swimming pool near you this Friday <laughs> by Apple TV Plus Oh, amazing. Right, next up, we have ITV's Redemption. And yes, that is a show, not a mission statement. Kidding, kidding, <laughs> oh, kidding. Very uh, This sees the ever-excellent Paula Malcolmson as D.I. Colette Cunningham, a Liverpool-based cop called to Dublin after a body turns up in a park. Kay, did Redemption have redeeming features for you? It did. Now, okay, I've got a question. How do we talk... Originally, I was thinking, how do we talk about this? Because... It's just going to spoil everything. I, I we... think you can say who the body is. I okay, don't yeah, think yeah. they hide okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, it's fine. the premise. So, Colette learns that her strange daughter, Kate, has taken her own life. And basically, Kate disappeared without trace when she was 17 and has been living in Dublin for the last 20 years under a different name. And so, Colette, understandably, is completely shocked to have to go to Dublin and identify her daughter's body. And then, I think what I liked most about this show, um, other than the performance by, let me get her name, oh, um, Paula Malcolmson. The the legendary Paula Malcolmson. Because mm-hmm. oh, she's in Sons of Anarchy, Deadwood and um, it, Basically Donovan. everything. Yeah, okay. she's, she's incredible. Is that, what's really interesting, that she's having to piece together the life of her strange daughter via police reports. Yeah. She's a, via, did you say she was a police? She was yes. A cop. Yes, she I is. think, I, think oh, um, did. I, I didn't think, I don't, James I wasn't did. sure if it had been said. Oh, apologies. D.I. Collette. <laughs> She herself is a police officer, but what's really fascinating, yeah, she's having to piece together the last 20 years about her daughter from clues of the people she was hanging out with, her grandchildren who she's never met. So obviously, and that was like really heartbreaking, seeing her having to break this news to oh. essentially these two stranger kids who are actually her grandchildren and say, hi, not only am I a stranger in your house, he <laughs> your has mum's dead. Yeah. your mum's dead. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. What I found a little bit ludicrous but I was willing, I was able to get over it in a way that I wasn't with the uh, Amanda Abington show. What's that show called? And it just went completely bonkers. Um, what was it called? Do you remember the Channel 5 yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there was that one where it had that really crazy twist. There is a point where having received the news, 
Colette is able to join the Dublin Central Police Service. She's able to transfer and move over there to work for that police force. And, you know, it just happens in like seconds. She's able to make a call to the top dog. She's there. <laughs> When in reality, we know... M- much to the chagrin of her colleagues. Of Siobhan McSweeney. Siobhan yeah. McSweeney, yeah. <laughs> Who is brilliant. And she's so, like, great. You're just getting a job here now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's like, okay, you, you're coming over here and then we can't re- yeah. recruit for like six months. Desperate measures, by the way. Abington, Desperate measures, Abington, yeah. Channel 5. So I was a bit like, mm, God, come on, really? But then I was able to overlook it because I just found the whole thing very interesting that she's like this mother, grieving mother, but also obviously with the complicated feelings of having, you know... Fallen out. We don't know. We don't really know why, but it's, actually, it's implied that she was the daughter found her very strict, and you know, just wanted to get away from her as fast as fast as possible. So yeah, I I thought that was interesting. I didn't think it was. I don't know. It wasn't as gripping as the other dramas we've done um, recently. I could be honest. It's no the Bay. I liked it a lot more than the Bay. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. That's no surprise. I thought it was really good. I th- well, she's incredibly compelling, but I I love the idea of it. Exactly what you said that she's piecing together. She's kind of almost investigating what happened to her daughter mm. while piecing together what her daughter's been doing for 20 years, while also looking after her two new grandchildren that she's literally just met. Yeah, and, that she's become a guardian of. Right, yeah, that she's been named Last as guardian minute, yeah. to. And I I found that... And, and you had the whole kind of like fish-out-of-water type situation where she's now in Dublin, you know, she's been on the Mersey up until like recently. She's back there. I Yeah, I, I was really, really sucked into this and actually thought it was gripping in a way that the Bay very much wasn't. So. There's no predicting what he's no, going to like. No, there I mean, no the, predicting the, the Bay is gripping. <laughs> That's not, but I actually, I, I, I agree, it's really good. It is really, really good. And I think it's good. It's got that, it's actually a bit more like Unforgotten because it's got mm, kind of, it's quite underplayed. Yeah. And, and even though there is a formula to it, like, you know, I mean, she's investigating the death of her daughter and you just know, I kind of know how that, I feel like I know how it's going to I mean, of course out. you do, otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be a series. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, more than that, I mean, like, the, the, you know, there's going to be stuff at the moment, assuming the way she died and that's going to, I bet that will be, you know, no, that's not the case and then we'll see for its machinations. But, it's still very um, authentic. It feels very authentic. Um, the fact that Siobhan Sweeney plays a relatively small so far role, supporting role, and she's fantastic in it as this kind of slightly, you know, <laughs> passag, yeah. passag um, uh, uh, cop who's not that pleased that Colette is joining them. And Paula, Paula Malcolm is, as uh, James referred to, absolute legend, and she's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant in this. And just I just thought the way they introduced her was very clever, this opening sequence where there's a chase with this kind of um, criminal trying to escape. And that was very well shot and very well um, directed. I thought by John Hayes who directed it. Sean Cook has written it. I thought, you know, I just thought it was very believable. Yeah. And and an interesting story as well. With yeah. the, the character, especially her, it would be quite a routine story in a way, but her character is very interesting, kind of gnarly and she's yeah. funny when she wants to be funny. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's looking at the way she's dealing with the kids and that trauma of telling their kids that their mother's died, I thought was really well. But I like the fact that there's a reality to it, that she, when she's with the other cops, she's not, oh my God, my daughter said I'm really depressed. She's quite funny and peppy with them, as people will do. She doesn't even tell them. You know, she doesn't tell them, no, absolutely. She doesn't want the connection She she is, you know, using humour to ingratiate herself, but also as a way of coping with things. And, you know, she feels like a kind of a real layered person. Yeah, and also she doesn't take shit as well because she makes it very clear, you know, like, oh, I've got like 20 years experience. I think I'm going to be all right with this case. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. which I quite liked. 30 years, I think, in fact. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But that's good, good. Redemption then, which is on ITV when, Boydie? Friday. On Friday? Nine o'clock Friday, the thing of March. Friday, the thing of March. Um, And presumably it's on ITVX in full. I I absolutely everything is. is. As everything is, yes. It absolutely will be. Friday, the 17th of March, and it will be on the ITVX as well, yes. Okay. 
Finally, this week, we have the return of Ted Lasso, or Lasso, or Lasso, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, uh, which once again sees Jason Sudeikis don the moustache as Richmond FC's coach in a football show that requires absolutely no understanding of or interest in the so-called beautiful game. Uh, Kay, you have been on a bit of a Lasso tip recently, mm. haven't you? So let's have a TED talk from you. <laughs> Do you know what's good about binging? I haven't had a chance to miss them because I have been like up until the mm. day before it dropped, just like binging the last few episodes. And um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed this first episode. The things I liked about it particularly is the fact that stylistically Nate is basically morphing into a Bond villain. Mm. <laughs> his hair, everything about him, albeit a, a you know Bond villain driving a mini. And yeah, his transformation into a hideous monster is complete. And I hate him, which is <laughs> wow. Which is well, no, which is which is good. That's what you you know. And obviously, as we said earlier, I don't know if it was on here or not. That you know, he will obviously have some kind of redemption. But at the moment, you know, he's just awful. And you see why. You know why because obviously you've seen the relationship with his father, who is really hard on him, and you know, is made him develop this inferiority complex. Mm. The but, spitting in the mirror oh, still the spitting remains thing is quite so, upsetting. I mm. literally am so... I made a note of that because I was like, I can't handle it anymore. It's just so awful. Like, I mean, I hate spitting anyway, but the act of like the... with The, the kind of venom he does it, it's yeah. just like so filled of self-hatred and, you know, everything. Loathing. So... um Quick question though, you know, he's really aggy with Ted about this thing that, and I'm saying this because I've watched it in quick succession and i almost certain I saw the framed photo of him and Ted in Ted's living room. But he seemed to, so is it just a misunderstanding? He thinks Ted's got rid of it out of his house, but actually Ted has, have I made that up? Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. So one of Nate's thing is, is like, oh, you never talk to me anymore in series two. Oh, yes. You never talk to me. You know, in that frame photo block, you know, it's not in the office. So he thinks he's got rid of it. But, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the house. So. Yeah, maybe. I remember that a nice being a part twist. of it. It was a while ago. I remember Nick Mohammed wrote a really interesting sort of like post explaining all of the things. He, he broke down Nate's psychology at the end mm. of season two because obviously it thrown people quite a lot. So that, that is dark. quite, yeah, it's quite dark. And we should mention that this continues that trend of being a 40-minute drama, not mm. a half-hour comedy. Don't get me wrong, it is funny, but it feels to me, certainly the first episode was the only one we saw at the point of review. Now, Boydie, you've seen more than yes. the first one, haven't you? There was only one when we yes, went in there. I watched but... the second episode. Okay. Um, in fact, funnily enough, it's even longer. And in fact, these I can reveal. I'm not going to um, spoil anything about the storyline, but I will tell you that episode two is 48 minutes long. Episode three is 48 minutes long. Episode four is 50 minutes long. Wow. So there's no signs <laughs> that it's reverting yeah. to the half-hour sitcom <laughs> format at all. I did think, I th it's interesting because Nate isn't isn't in the second episode at all. I would say that. Mm. Um, Maybe not because for we any... did break because well, he like, yeah, you know, maybe. It's quite intense story. Maybe though. I think that just the story. I felt that like this first episode was very much a reset, not a reset, a reminder of mm. the situation. Um, a reminder that, you know, Hannah Waddingham's horrible husband has, now owns West Ham and kind of that's, you know, they're both kind of out of spite doing things. They're both kind of trying to outdo each other with their clubs because of their relationship. And really, that's kind of pretty much why Nate has been employed as the manager anyway. But you did see there was some good, I thought there were some interesting scenes in that first episode with Nate, you know, when he, he has a press conference and he has to kind of get himself going. He has to work himself mm. up into mm. the evil version of him. And he the, has to have a little spit as well. Yeah, the normal version, if you like, is clearly there being subsumed. And I, I mean... I very much expect that he will be redeemed by the end of this 12 episode final season and that will if he's not then I mean that would be massively bold and brave but 
uh, it'd be interesting how they how they do that, how they manage that. And he, the, the thing about it is, Nick Muhammad is so brilliant in the role mm. that he sells it. He sells this slightly mad character who's got almost schizophrenic, practically, you know, now, as you say, with the spitting and everything. But um, it is interesting that he isn't in the second episode. I thought the first episode was, I really liked it. It was fine. I thought, but the second episode, I thought was notably better. Like, okay. I felt the second episode was where they're really getting their teeth into the story, the crux of this season. Um, and I won't, to, to talk about any particular storylines except to say it's very much focused on the team and you know players and their interactions and all the joy you're just reminded I was reminded more in the second episode than the first of just the joy of hanging out with these characters mm. and that their interactions and there's, it's very I would say it's very Roy Kent heavy Brett Goldstein is, oh, is very yes. much the star of it and I he's so brilliant Roy. he's so fantastic that um you just, the more back, Kent there is for he me, has to the get more. back with Keely. It's hurting my heart. Yeah, that well, not that's, together. that's also a big element of, of the whole thing. There's a there's a great new character who is Keely, so Keely's now got her own PR agency, which is very again very believable. And there's a new character played by Katie Wicks, who's like her, who's man, <laughs> managing the office, and she's brilliant. Yeah. And shout out to Katie Wicks because Katie Wicks is one of the most brilliant actors and com- comedy actors of the moment. She is so fantastic in every single thing she does. She's been in Partridge, she's in Stuff Less Flats, of course. Mm. She's phenomenal in everything. And she's brilliant again in this. She, in, she just as soon as you meet her, you're like, you know who that person is. You know that character. You've met, I've met so many people like her. And um, so she's a really good addition. It's just a, and just the way, this, you're really reminded after, again, particularly watching the second episode, just, it's quite oddly, oddly, the tone of it is quite weird in a way and, and mm. unique. It's not, it's like really, it, it's just, it's very pleasurable and, and kind of positive. And yet it sneaks in mm. little, lots of little cynical things as well. I think it's well. very bittersweet. Yeah, like, it's, it's really, really bittersweet. The, it's re- the sweetness is really, really, really sweet, mm. but the bitterness is quite shockingly bitter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of complete, it, it somehow, it's like almost camouflaged. It's, quite, it's nice though, because it slices through the, yeah. otherwise it would be saccharine, it would be too 100%. much. But, but and even though there are, there are storylines, I'll just say, there are storylines that, absolutely a borderline preposterous like there's particularly an episode two <laughs> that is like very sitcom like oh come on that wouldn't happen in real life in the world of football and yet so many mad things do happen in the world of football that it gets away with it the thing that I found about this is, is when it came out season one of the pandemic it was the feel good show right it made everyone feel good about themselves at a time when you needed to feel good about yourself and now it bums me out like and this happened with season two as well. And I don't get me wrong, it's still fantastic. I love Ted Lasso, but it does bum me out now. Like even like it, there's there's a sense of like sort of there's a sadness that permeates it. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think from episode two, I don't think it will bum me around. Okay, so good. Because yeah. the, the first one, I was a bit yeah. like, "Ooh, okay, that was that was there's quite much a bummer. less bumming out." I think much less bumming. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, good to um, know. Yeah. I want to give a little shout out to Roy's in the first episode. Roy's niece Phoebe, oh, I love who Phoebe. plays it so yeah. well because she underplays it. Yeah. Unlike. Ted's son, who I found found out and out annoying in episode oh, really? one. Yeah, oh, poor Ted's son, you're horrible. Yeah, little you're kiddie. <laughs> okay, Kids right. can be annoying. Nasty. Fact. You know you're so nasty. <laughs> um, there's a lo- there's a lo- there's a lovely um, office j- joke about the office, the show, the office in the second episode, which I thought was fantastic. Ted Lasso then, which returns to the Apple TV Plus on the Friday. No, it's the Wednesday. The Wednesday? Yes. Is it on the Wednesday? It's on the Wednesday, oh, the 15th. Up, yes, I? you did. Uh, okay. But no, it's weird though. That's Who, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Every Wednesday it's going to be, yeah. I think yeah. it's like a special. It's that special that got its own. It's got its own slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just say there we go. Yeah. <laughs> what else is out? I should say a town called Malice. We yes. mentioned, and also Martha Plimpton has talked about at some point, which is out on Thursday. But it is embargoed, and we will have to then cover it mm. on Thursday's Pilot TV Plus. I should mention also on Plus, we're going to be doing a U season 
for part two spoiler special with Penn Badgley, who's Boyd has spoken to. That's probably going to be a standalone Pilot Plus episode that'll be coming hopefully as we go out at the end of this week. Basically, not to, uh, you know, shine the spotlight and everyone. We're waiting for Kate to watch the episodes. <laughs> I didn't you know, have it. I, no it was pressure. not available to me. I got up at 6.30 <laughs> yeah. this morning to watch it, not knowing that Netflix only drops stuff at 8. So, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. just saying, a li- little bit prepared and it's not that much to ask. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh Bold. My God. Our uh, long-promised but not delivered uh, Lockwood & Co. spoiler special is being recorded as well, so that'll be with you very, very soon. And we've mentioned The Last of Us ones, which will be live on Tuesday. But what else is that, buddy? What else have we missed? Well, there's one of your favourites, no doubt, Shadow and Bone. Shadow one of the and many Bone, Netflix yes. fantasy type shows. Which we might have reviewed on this week's show, yeah. except you objected to it. But also, also, there were no screeners available Steady. for this one. There were no previews available oh, there for you go. No, I, I watched object. the whole of Shadow and Bone season one and really enjoyed it, yeah. based on the books by Lee Bardugo. And isn't, to be fair, isn't Paddy Gibson from the OA in this series? I believe he is. I think he's a new character. Sure, why not? Yeah. But Bin so. Bonds, Bin Bonds is the main antagonist. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's good. I like him. Um, there's Jerk, the the uh, new series of that sitcom, um, which is stars Tim Renkow as the um, character with cerebral palsy, and it's a really good. I didn't like that, didn't you? No, we reviewed. Didn't we review the Maybe first series oh, of this on this show? No, didn't you like it? Uh, no, oh, I, I like didn't it. like good. it at all. Oh, James Norton, a guest stars in this series. Oh, in this no, does he? Yeah, I yeah. do like him. Off, I know, off of Happy Valley. Um, I think it's a really good show. Actually. James not liking comedy. Shocker. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. There's a thing on ITVX. This week's ITVX new show is Barley Two. 2002, which is a four-part drama about the terrorist attack. Do you remember on the, mm, on the yeah. beach nightclubs in Bali in October of that year with Rachel Griffiths um, of Mar- of uh, Muriel's Wedding fame and others? Um, we might have done that if, but yeah, it's a very good friend of mine was oh. there when that oh, happened God. and was going to that nightclub Bloody that hell. night, but I had a surfing lesson that day and was absolutely shattered and bailed at the Thank last God. minute no, and no. stayed at home and the explosion woke him up. Because his youth hostel was just around the corner wow. from the club. Terrible. That's and there's, on Sunday, there's a new series of Grace, which is I really enjoyed. It's the John Sim um, detective drama. He yeah. plays Roy Grace. It's set in Brighton. I'm a big fan of the Peter James novels. I reviewed one of those, maybe even more than one of those books with him there in the studio. <laughs> on, on the side <laughs> of Mayo, so. will never like, not be weird. Yeah, yeah. Every week, I feel like you've yeah. done. You but having about also that. lived in Brighton for four years as a student, so it's it's very Grace is like a proper like ex, you know exploiting the the environs of Brighton, taking um, you back to your manor. Do you think we should? try this because like we've got David Diggs on next week's podcast yeah. do you think we should have you review extrapolations in front of David with him here uh, maybe not oh my no. god it could be yeah. a new format I don't... don't tell David I didn't know that oh is that what oh, okay <laughs> I mean he's the best thing about it <laughs> shameless boy shameless yeah. I mean to be fair he is a good I mean he's the best yeah. thing about it to be fair yes um, I think that is it. maybe I'm just leaving through my copy of Heat just to double check oh comic release on Friday James I'm sure you're a big fan I mean that's you know that's got a ghost special in it with Kylie Minogue. Nice. And it's got a traitor special sketch where they all play um, Claudia Winkleman. Oh, yes. Dawn French Jennifer uh, Saunders play um, Claudia with oh her in it and as well. And isn't it Mary Berry as well? And Mary Berry, oh, correct. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a Baldrick one-off special and there's a look back Celebrity Big Brother uh, on BBC Two. So yeah, that's happening. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. Why not? What is our pick of the week? Uh, mm. Extrapolations. No. <laughs> no. I think it is Ted Lasso still, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you think it's Ted? It, 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 it's definitely Ted, I would say. Although Redemption, I did really like. So yeah, I'm just tempted to be contrary yeah. and, and throw te- uh, mm. Redemption in there, you know, mm. just to make my peace with ITV. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're gripped. They're yeah. listening I'm to sure me. Is he going to like yes. it? Is he? Yeah. <laughs> it's made just for me. That's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it and are feeling inclined to reciprocate in the form of a five star rating and a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast now, question. platform. I've got a question. Of your choice. Wow. Sorry to interrupt. You've totally interrupted me. Um, 
Are we getting a regular flow of five-star reviews? Or is it just like, as we've plateaued, what's happening? I feel they've slowed down. I feel like now, right. now it's okay. like so... sometimes none a week, sometimes one a week. Oh, and no. And I feel that given how few of the people who actually listen to this podcast have actually written us reviews, I would say all of you should should this week do us a solid. And if you haven't right. written us a five-star review, go well, and write yeah, right. us one. You know what? Do you, ha- you don't have the total there right now, do you? No, chance? not in front of me. Okay, I say, I'm going to look it up while we do this very quickly. And I say, if we hit a sudden... I tried this on the other podcast that I won't mention anymore. And I made Boyd buy us a cake if we did. So I just want to give James an incentive. Right, we're on... Oh, okay, brilliant. We're on 1,092. Right. This I'm, is on the UK one, so we do have other like American reviews okay, on the fine. American well, source. Potato, potato. Okay, we're well, we're in the UK, so let's focus on that. So um, I'm saying if we get up to 2,000 by the ni- next time we record, James is committing huh? to buy us a delicious cake from Patisserie Valerie. No, more specifically, Boyd was going to make us some of his famous what? Boydy blondies, and we have, oh, yeah, and we have right. yet to have them. So I think Boyd should make blondies for everyone if we get up to 2,000. What's more likely to happen? I think you buying the cake. We've got to give him a bit of advance notice, I think. What do you think, Roy? Uh, I mean, making a whole blow of... I mean, he just has to buy one, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right, okay. So yeah. if we can reach, listeners, just eight more reviews, then James is committing... Say yes. Sure. Okay. To buying us a cake. So there we are. Okay. Right. I-, I will apparently buy you all a cake. Great. Okay, brilliant. Let's do that. You can find us on the various social medias at Pilot TV Pod, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kay Ribeiro. On next Monday's show, we will have, as we have mentioned, David Diggs with us, Thomas Jefferson himself, to talk extrapolations. <laughs> Not with Boyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might just have some others on as well, but to find out, you need to join us then. Where we'll hopefully be able to review the triumphant return of Yellow Jackets. Cannibals a go-go. Do not accept cakes from them. That's all I'm Mm. saying. Patisserie Valerie or not. Pilot out.